welcome back to the last episode of the League Rundown by the Bush League Bullpen. Follow us on Twitter, uh, at BL Bullpen. Yell at us, argue with us, tell us you love us, tell us that you'll be there for us if we ever need you. Maybe some, maybe we're having a rough day, maybe we just need a shoulder to cry on, who knows? Tweet at us and you'll find out. With me, as always, oh, I'm Eli, hi, welcome back. And with me is Derek. Hello, welcome back. If we sound like we have better quality, we actually got somewhat professional and actually got decent microphones. We're yeah, no longer using can... just our computer microphones to record this. So if we sound more clear, we're yeah. getting better. We're, we're moving up in the world, baby. I mean, what can we say? Like, we're just getting so much more professional. Um, who knows? Maybe we'll even start like an actual website. Just kidding. It's too much work for two people. Anyway, so... I feel like next step would be a Facebook page. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. I mean, just keep it with social media. One one Twitter account between the two of us is already hard enough to ma manage. All right, but let's stop talking about social media. Let's talk about fucking baseball. And I am excited because I don't know if any of you listened to the last episode. You better have. Otherwise, I will come for you. But guess who predicted the biggest trade of the offseason at the end of that episode? It was me, baby. Ah! Uh, Derek muted himself probably because he's pissed and he's gonna like yell at himself because he's mad. So at the end of last episode or sometime, I don't remember, I'm too excited. I said, Nolan Arenado is going to St. Louis. He's going, he's going downtown. He's gonna, he's gonna go over to, what is it? Ted Drew's ice cream. Oh, place is delicious. And it's going to be even sweeter when you're going there after a nice Cardinal walk off via Nolan Arenado best third baseman in the league. So that puts Paul Goldschmidt at one corner, Nolan Arenado in the other corner, and just, oh, happiness in my heart. Found out about that trade after we had recorded the podcast when I was at the gym, and dude, I gotta say, it was my first time going back to the gym, and I think God was rewarding me or something, but it was just, whew, beautiful. And let me just say, I am so sorry, Colorado. You guys got just screwed. <laughs> you shipped off the best third baseman in the league and $50 million to the Cardinals for a dude who has not really proven himself to be all that fantastic in the regular season in Austin Gomber. I mean, yeah, he looks like he could be good, but he's only played like a season and a half. And then four non-top 100 prospects? Like, come on, you couldn't even manage to get a top 100 prospect out of that. I am just, as much as I'm happy as a Cardinal fan, I just feel bad for the Rockies. Derek, what do you think? So, Arenado's trade is entirely because he was unhappy in Colorado. He had a, such an awkward, large contract that only a few teams could afford him. And then, of course, he had you had to send him to a team that he wanted to go to because of his stupid no-trade clause. So it was all these things of just, like, there was only, like, three teams that could afford to take him or would want to take him, and they were the Yankees, the Cardinals and the Dodgers. They ain't going to send him to the Dodgers, and the Yankees have Yashella, so they don't really need Arenado. So it left the Cardinals as the only option. And like I said, Arenado's contract is so huge, they would have to send money back. Um, but then, like, in terms of what they got in return, like, the Cardinals took advantage of the fact that the Rockies had to move him, and they pretty much just sent nothing in return. It's like a couple years ago with the Andrew, the not, uh, not the Manitani trade, uh, the Betts trade. You know, the Red Sox made it very clear that they needed to get rid of bets and all, and the Dodgers were able to just get a steal 
for for bets and price for basically just Verdugo and like a prospect or two. Yeah, that's that's the thing though. At least they got Verdugo out of it. They got somebody who I'm pretty sure was a top 100 prospect. The Rockies just straight up got dog water. Like, I mean, yeah, I just think these it's... guys these guys could turn out to be like some great prospects. I mean, you never know. I mean, like, look at Mike Piazza. That guy had to, like, basically beg to get drafted, and now he's a Hall of Famer, so who yeah. knows? But just, like, face value, yikes. And you never know, too, because this could be the start of a rebuild, so then Torvish Story could be on the mark, the trade market towards the middle of the season or even, like, gone by next offseason. Or very well, this could be, uh, okay, we couldn't do it with Arenado, but we think we can do it with Story, so we're going to try to rebuild. We're trying to get guys that maybe aren't top prospects, but they're about to come up in the next couple of years. Like, I don't know how many of these guys are MLB ready within a year or two. Like, right when Story's, you know, they re-signed Story to an extension using the money they now have available from moving Arenado, and, you know, maybe they do the run that way. I don't see that likely because with the division getting very top heavy with the Dodgers and Padres, maybe Colorado who should just rebuild. Yeah, we'll I they they definitely should at this point. I mean, the biggest pro- I think the biggest problem with Colorado will always remain pitching, but I feel like since you play in Colorado and you also play a shit ton of games in Arizona where people have like the similar gripe about the ballpark. I feel like pitching is like the last thing that you need to rebuild as long as you have maybe like one or two solid pitchers in the bullpen and in your rotation. So right now their offense is really just what I think needs to be built. And they don't really, they don't really have much going for them right now. I don't. Yeah. They let a lot of guys leave like um, David Dahl left. Yeah. That one was, I think that's going to be one of the, the biggest, like under the radar acquisitions this upcoming season because I I think David Dahl is a very underappreciated outfielder simply because he's played in Colorado doesn't get much of the spotlight because he's had Nolan Arenado and Trevor Story batting in front of him and he's got of course Charlie Blackman too but I mean he's been a fantastic outfielder for the last couple years it's just that like I said nobody really cares because he's got these guys overshadowing him he's not a big name but hopefully in Texas, even though I don't think that Texas is going anywhere, he'll uh, he'll help him out. But we'll save that for later because this episode is all about the AL West. But let's get through the rest of these trades first. Speaking of, Stephen Matz to the Blue Jays, which I think is going to be a fantastic acquisition for the Blue Jays. You got a young lefty who's pretty damn solid, and this is really something that the Blue Jays needed. They needed another guy in their rotation. They didn't really have too much in terms of solid starters. They had Robbie Ray and they had, or they have Robbie Ray and Hyunjin uh, Ryu, but they kind of they lost Taiwan Walker, which some people may not think is too big of a loss. But I mean, that dude's always been a solid starter for his whole career. He's just un- unfortunately been on teams that weren't going anywhere at the times that he's been pitching well. So. I think that this is this could, I'm not going to say it, I'm not going to say for a fact that it is going to, but it could elevate their pitching staff to a point where they are 100% a contender like ALDS or maybe even CS bound. I will say it because, I mean, look at it. You have three really nasty left-handers in Ryu, Mats, and uh, not uh, Robbie Ray. Robbie Ray. I don't know why I was blanking on thinking of Patrick Corbin, but Robbie Ray. And then behind that, you'll have, two really young right-handers that just are like, you have, I think it's like Tanner Rohart, I mean, Tanner Rohart's not young, but you have a, you know, couple right-handed prospects that are about to come up. 
like Nate Pearson. So why can't the Blue Jays be that dominant, you know, six-man rotation? <clears throat> I mean, <laughs> I mean well, well, we'll see. I mean, I would love to see a six-man rotation at some point. It'd be fun. I really do. And so I think, if, plus, too, if you're a Mets fan and you're looking at this, like, this trade was made, and a lot of people immediately like, oh, this is the Mets clearing room for Bauer. Oh, yeah, this is this is to make money for Bauer, rotation spot for Bauer, and then Bauer doesn't come, and you may start feel like, oh, crap, we're going to regret this trade. This trade could help you guys later on in the season because, well, you know, when you need to go look for a, uh, you know, mid-season acquisition to help you run the playoff run, a lot of teams that are going to have guys they're going to be looking to trade around the trade deadline. And if the Giants aren't in it, Johnny Cueto could be on the move. You know, the Pirates could be looking to trade a, a veteran like Brault or Cool, like a couple guys. Like, you know, there's a lot of teams that will look to move veteran guys that, you know, they just don't – either because they're out of it or they just need to change something up, you know. Yeah, plus – um. oh, my God, my brain just completely lagged and I forgot. That's what I was going to say. All right, we're good. I just woke up, so my brain's still buffering. But, like, the last couple of years, we've noticed, too, that this division that the Blue Jays are in, for some reason, their biggest rivals can't seem to hit lefties. Like, if you watch any Yankee game where they go up against a right-handed pitcher, Judge will smack the crap out of them. Like, the only guy who really, like, doesn't struggle against lefties is maybe Stanton, but I only say maybe because he's injured half the time, so we can't really see him get full full at-bats, full seasons in. But the Rays are a very lefty-heavy lineup, and they, other than Brandon Lau, don't really seem to be able to handle same-handed pitching. Um, unless, of course, G-Man Choi becomes a switch hitter, which, oh, God, please let that happen. Uh, I mean, he hit a home run in twenty in 2020 from the right side, so he can do it. I mean, he can do anything because he's a beautiful person. But just overall, this division seems to struggle against lefties, and, well, at least those two contenders, Boston will remain to be seen if they are going to be, you know, <laughs> show any signs of competition this year. And I'm already ruling Baltimore out as a team that really matters. So... <laughs> Sorry, Derek. Um, but we're I I feel like if you want to beat the Yankees and beat the Rays, you gotta beat them. You have to make sure that their offense is as limited as possible. And I think that a lefty that like a lefty heavy rotation will definitely do that for them because just strategically they're like uh, statistically they, they can't hit them. They, I've I have yet to see them like go up against a lefty and fare well. No, yeah, I agree with that. I mean, a lot of a lot of teams in the division, like especially too, when you think about like the big left-handed bats that some of these teams have, they're just notoriously bad. Like the Red Sox, Devers is terrible against left-handed pitching. Um, the Yankees just never perform against left-handed pitching. So it's very well it could be this like, you know, Blue Jays heavy left-handed pitching could be what helps them in the long run. But all right, let's move on to the next signing, which I think was a terrible signing because it doesn't make any sense at a standpoint other than the fact that the Dodgers felt like they had yep. to do it. Trevor Bauer signed with the Dodgers, what I think is a terrible team dude, but a great oh, no, deal he's for set him. for life. He's basically there three years, $110 million, and if he does really, really good, he could just opt out after one year. And if he does really, really good after the second year, he could just opt out again. Basically, what we're saying is he I has mean, two opt-out is... clauses for the for the three years that he's there, so he doesn't have to play his entire his entire like contract there. It just makes no sense. The only thing that makes sense is like from his perspective. 
because after the 2021 season is over, when he goes into 2022, he will set the record for the highest paid player in a single season in baseball history. And then he will reset that that record again in 2023 if he if of course he doesn't opt out either of those years with a 40 it would be a 40 million dollar contract by 2022 and i believe 45 by 2023 so good job trevor he's making making more money than garrett cole but you're getting a lot more value out of garrett cole and this is why i think this was a bad trade for the dodgers because if bauer is the Bauer of like three years ago and not last year, you're paying a lot of money for a. That's the thing starter. too. Like everybody's shitting on Trevor Bauer for wanting so much more money than they believe he's worth because he pitched. He only pitched in a sixty-game season against a pretty anemic lineup of teams in terms of offense. Like Cubs are strikeout machines. The Indians were pr- were pretty bad striking out too. Uh, the Tigers are basically a minor league ball team. Like it's just, it's just hard to predict how a guy's going to be against a completely new set of teams, especially a guy who's like brand new to the national league as of lat as of 2019, but only, only pitched again half the season in the national league. So these are teams that he's not going up against very often. And one of the biggest things, if you're a Dodger fan to look out for is his stats against the Padres. I don't know if you've seen this, Derek, but he's, I think, 0 for 5 lifetime. His ERA is dangerously close to 10. And Fernando Tatis lights him up like a fucking Christmas tree. So if you're the Dodgers, that's not the best thing because, I mean, the Padres seem to be the only team that you really have to worry about right now, especially in your division, because they are nasty and they are making sure that they like they they were making moves to make sure that the Dodgers know that they are here and they are hungry and they want that series. They want to rip it from their tiny little gross Dodger hands. And just, <laughs> I don't. I, okay. So I'm just going to say like, I definitely think this was a deal that the Dodgers made because they're feeling pressure from the Padres. I know Kershaw did a whole interview article thing, whatever being like, Oh, we're the, the Dodgers are the only big market team trying to win, but that's just Dodger propaganda. Uh, he, and a lot of big market teams are trying to win. The problem is the Dodgers didn't need to do as much, but the fact that they're trying to make these big outrageous moves shows that they're they're pushing the envelope too much. And I really thought the the Bauer deal was going to prevent them from re-signing Turner. It did. They were able to re-sign him. I don't think he got much interest from other teams. I think he realized best chance to repeat is with the Dodgers. Mm. But I mean, I don't know, like. This deal doesn't make sense to me from a stand. Like it just feels like the Dodgers were like, ah, we need to do something to compete with the fact that the Padres have a completely new pitching staff now, and they're like, ah, we'll get Trevor Bauer, and they're like, here's a blank check, like do whatever yeah, you want. Probably, um, but I'm glad you said that about Turner because I wanted to talk about him a little bit. So, resigned by the Dodgers, I was thinking honestly, the only other team that could have potentially picked him up, like, well, I mean, I had two ideas was maybe the Cubs and maybe the Brewers because, I mean, as we've seen, Cubs are really ready to shop Bryant, which is the only reason why uh, Turner going to the Cubs didn't really make much sense because Cubs want shit in return. And you're not going to get that from a free agent because that's how it works. So, I mean, that didn't make sense. But the Brewers, I thought, maybe had a chance to sign him because they don't really have anything solid over there. Um, I don't even know. If they don't, I don't think they have Eric Sogard there anymore. Um, they did just 
acquire Colton Wong for, I believe it was a one-year 18-mil deal or something like that, which great defense, an okay bat. He's pretty clutch in the postseason, um, which is kind of what I thought they would go for with Justin Turner because he's not the, a great def- he's not a great defender, but he's better better than most of the guys in the league. He's got a pretty decent bat, but once you get into the postseason, which the Brewers, I don't know if they want to. They claim that they want to, but none of their deals make any sense. And they don't like they don't convince me that they want to get into the postseason. But once you get into the postseason, Justin Turner just he turns into a different animal like he he goes into his cocoon in september and he emerges in october just a fully formed baseball butterfly god it's just crazy how ridiculously good he is in the postseason so i don't know since they don't have a third baseman over there in milwaukee unless they're planning to move arcia over there which i mean it's not really going to give you much other than a decent glove like no bat and i thought they would have gone for turner but his age is kind of a factor. He's, what, 36, 37? About, yeah. Yeah, and his his complexion makes you think older because he's about as pale as a ghost. <laughs> but I don't know. I, I, I don't know what the Brewers are thinking. I don't know what they are thinking or what they have ever thought because nothing that they do makes sense to me in the post in the offseason. So I know with the Brewers, first of all, Keston Hira is moving over to first base. This will be his first full season at first base. Uh, in the major leagues. I don't know if he ever played in the minors, but it's like he's basically going to learn a new position. I think Wong is going to be their third baseman. I don't believe... I, play, at least I don't think so. Base. He'll probably play a couple games at third base. From the way I heard it, they're moving Hira to make room for Wong. Um, what it looks like is... I mean, they have that pro, that guy who used to be the, like one of the top prospects in baseball, Luis Garcia, that they got from uh, San Diego a couple years ago. I think you'll see him and Arcia split time on the left side because, I mean, if you paid or if you traded so many dudes like Grisham and Davies for a top prospect like Arcia, you need to at least get some money out of them and see, like, get some time out of them and see if he's actually worth the trouble, which they really haven't done the last two seasons that they've had him. So, no, yeah, I see what you mean. Uh, so. Let's move on to the next signing. Uh, the Yankees are making Corey Kluber shave his beard, sadly. And they also yes. received, they also got former A's closer Darren O'Day. A's closer? Ray, uh, Orioles, god damn it. And Braves. He wasn't really the closer with the Braves. He was just... Well, it wasn't, it wasn't a closer, but he was a relief. He was the closer with the Orioles for a little bit. Yes, he was. And then uh, Zach Britton took over because uh, Zach Britton had the run of being incredible. <laughs> and then O'Day became the nasty setup man. I like O'Day. Yeah, I do. I do too. His like he doesn't have the high velocity that we're seeing a lot more of in baseball, but he has the funkiest freaking delivery, and it just throws everybody. It th- throws me off all the time too. Like I mean, gotta love a good sub sandwich coming out coming out of the mound. Like it's oh, beautiful. But as much as I love Kluber and O'Day, the problem remains that they're going to the Yankees. So <laughs> basically. This deal um, just makes me sad and unhappy, and I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, this is, like, this Yankees trying to rebuild their bullpen up a little bit. Like, they don't have Batantis anymore. Like, you know, a couple other pieces are missing. Uh, they lost that one guy to the Dodgers. Um, and, you know, like, Kluber's there to be a number four, number five 
low risk, high reward kind of guy because he's trying to show he can be what he was a couple of years ago with Cleveland. So, yeah. not much else to talk about that. I mean, not really. It's just face value. Yeah, Yankees are just trying to trying to make that one last push, and hopefully it'll get them there. Well, I mean, they hope it'll get them there. I don't hope that. I hope they crash and burn. I don't want to see the Yankees win another World Series until every other team in the league has 27 rings. So another re-signing <laughs> that's pretty much face value is the Phillies signed Chase Anderson and Matt Moore, two veteran pitchers to pretty much pitch behind Nola and all that. And it's like, you know, this is just them doing what we've been saying all every time, like acquire the pitching to match your hitting. They have the great offense. They re-signed Real Muto. Now they need guys to get outs. And it doesn't matter. Like, you know, you need to make sure you're not giving up eight runs a game. Mm-hmm. Matt Moore showed glimpses of being decent again with the Giants, like when he pitched last year with them. Chase Anderson sometimes looks good. But, like, these, again, like these are guys that low, like, you know, you get them cheap and they have a good upside, but you'll see. Yeah. Once again, not much to talk about face value. I feel like I feel like this is going to be a theme for the for the rest of these signings. Yeah, I mean the Doolittle one's a little bit better for the Reds. The Reds signed Sean Doolittle. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, like they needed a bullpen. They got rid of Rafael Iglesias to the Angels, so it's like they needed another uh, left-hander. No, they have uh, Garrett still. So I mean, like yeah, but like one lefty is not going to do it. You need to. No, yeah, I mean. Um, so they needed a left-hander. So like, then they can match like the slow kind of like pinpoint left-hander versus the very fast, I'm just going to fire it in there left-hander. And that'll be a good one-two combination. Hmm. Um, I don't know if Sean Doolittle will become the setup man or the closer. I'm assuming Garrett's going to become the closer. I would, I would think so just because, um, or Michael Lorenzen. Mm, eh, I, I'm still confused about what they're going to do with Lorenzen, but the thing is with... Yeah, the thing with Garrett is I feel like he's a lot younger than Doolittle. He has, like like we said, he's got the glimpses of being a pretty solid closing pitcher. I feel like they're. I feel like you're just going to see those two just kind of trade off if if Garrett's having some downtime, like if he's not doing so hot, Doolittle steps in. Once Garrett starts showing some more consistency, he's back in the spot. I think this is kind of like. I almost feel like they have Doolittle there as, like, a mentor for him to kind of, like, guide him into the role of being a solid uh, closer. Yeah, which is why I'm thinking that Doolittle will start the season as the closer and let uh, Garrett be the setup man, and then all of a sudden it's going to be, like, all right, midseason, or eventually they're going to look to shop Doolittle and let Garrett take over. Um, I don't know if you would shop Doolittle. I mean, Doolittle's too good of an arm, so, like, if you have a struggling bullpen to shop him, so. That's true. But anyway, um, the Brewers going out, getting another former Cardinal, uh, John Jay. Who, Which we did talk a little about. Yes, um, and all I want to say about this is completely unrelated to the game of real baseball, but John Jay's speed rating in MLB The Show is a travesty. This dude this dude was one of the fastest center fielders in baseball for a long time, and I don't think your legs go away that quickly. Like, he's like a, what, a 16 speed in MLB The Show? It is so frustrating because we know he's faster than that. John Jay, you are faster than that. Don't let Sony what or like San Diego Studios or whatever tell you any differently. You're a fast human being, and don't you forget it. <laughs> all right well thank you for that uh public service announcement eli psa uh, john jay is fast 
the Indians signed Eddie Rosario, former twin, which, you know, good steal of the vision, like gets them some outfield help. It gets them another bat in the lineup to go with uh, Jose Ramirez, but I still don't think it's going to be enough for them to do anything in that division. Um, Especially when you just got rid of one of the best shortstops in the league. who And you lost a team captain. Yeah, and you lost a really good pitcher in Carrasco, and you let your big home run hitting first baseman slash DH walk. Yeah, um, I don't think Rosario is going to make up for that because he's kind of a below average defender um, in the, in the outfield, which not not great. And when you lose a guy like Lindor, so like you need to make up that defense somewhere, and I don't think you're making it up at all with Rosario and his bat. I mean, Lindor is a switch hitting contact shortstop with pop, and you're basically getting a solid like you're getting a lefty only who is power first contact later i don't like i like eddie rosario don't get me wrong i enjoy him i like watching him play i think he's fun but you're not really gaining much other than a power bat i don't think yeah i agree i mean this is this is power this is the indians are going to try to win the way they have in, in a while and it's just hit the ball the ballpark and try to let your starters keep it in the ballpark I think they're hoping that their their starting rotation and bullpen is a little better than it should be, but we will see. Uh, I mean, it's other... it's Cleveland. Their pitching is always just ridiculously good, or just like at least serviceable whenever they get rid of everybody. So I think they're fine in that department, kind of like Tampa. Yeah, it's true. Uh, another veteran signed. Uh, the Red Sox signed actually two veterans, uh, Garrett Richards, and they re-signed Mar- uh, Martin Perez after letting him walk. Mm-hmm. Like they signed him to a three-year deal, and then they basically opted out of the contract just to re-sign him to a one-year deal. Um, I mean, like, hopefully they get Evaldi and Sale back, so then their, ro- their rotation isn't just relying on Martin Perez like it was last year. But I don't know if Garrett Richards will be the starter. I think he was a middle reliever, right, with San Diego? Didn't he become uh, a reliever? I think he did just because, you know, they just kept going out and getting all these guys who were just a little bit better. And what do you do when you have a guy yeah. who's just not as good? Just shove him in the bullpen. Because yeah, he started the season as a starter, and he wasn't doing bad. And then they went to having a middle relief, and then, like, towards the end of the season, he became a starter again, and he was, like, lights out. So I could see the Red Sox maybe trying him as a starter. And then if guys like Martin Perez do better, like, if other guys start playing better, He'll just move to the bullpen, and then there's your bullpen help. Yep. I don't know. Not much to say there. The Red Sox, like we've said, are just like they're plagued with injuries, and they just need to get their guys back, get back to being a fully healthy team, and then we'll talk about whether or not they're a contender. Let's be yeah, and then another. Aw, I wanted to take that segue. <laughs> I find go. Yay! Speaking of contenders, a former contending team has just re-signed their former ace, and Jake Arrieta returning to the Cubs. In what I assume is going to be a feeble attempt at, re- at reliving his glory days under the new management of David Ross. Like, I like Arietta. I have nothing against him as a human being. Everything that I see seems like a fine, decent young lad. But, <laughs> I mean, he was not doing so hot in Philly. He had maybe like a couple good starts his first season, and I don't know if it's, like, the air in Philly or whatever that's making all their pitchers just play, like, trash. Um, But I feel like this is kind of 
the Cubs going back, grabbing a familiar face to get fans back in the stands because they're like, oh, hey, look, remember this dude who put up one of the greatest second halves of any pitching season in baseball history? We got him back. So, like, trying to get fans in the stands, trying to get people interested again in the Cubs who are clearly going to become a tank team. Um, and for Arietta, he's going back to a club that he's familiar with, guys that he likes, people that he's worked well with in the past. So, like, maybe he gets a little bit reinvigorated for the end of his career. That's right. This is the end of his career. I don't see him playing past Chicago unless it's, like, for – a struggling team that's just like we need at least one starter who has a name so i don't know i just this seems like seems like a victory lap for arietta coming soon uh the reason he came back to chicago was to avoid uh sean rodriguez who is now in miami uh <laughs> sean, <laughs> sean rodriguez is like the only guy i ever saw that could just dominate uh Jay Garrietta in his like even like like in his prime Jay Garrietta he took down like he monster shots off of Jay Garrietta um and like he went like when he when Jay Garrietta was on the Phillies Sean Rodriguez was in the field with him so he like pitched better and then Rodriguez left and he started struggling I think he's genuinely scared of it's like you and uh Tommy LaStella me and Tommy LaStella <laughs> the, the man of my e existence the man that Eli fears above all else is Tommy LaStella Bro, give me Mike Trout any day. Just throw sliders away and you're fine. But dear God, don't let me pitch to Tommy LaStella. <laughs> nah, but I... Dude, he got me distracted now because I'm just thinking about Sean Rodriguez and how he is the most pirate-looking human being that I've ever seen. And it was so fitting that he played most of his career for the Pirates. Like, any highlight you see of Sean Rodriguez, he just straight up looks like he's about to just pillage and plunder. It's beautiful. <laughs> but, man, you got me distracted now. But, yeah, Jake Arrieta... Come, I think his career is coming to a close, and he's gonna have some fun in Chicago until, until it uh fully, until he fully closes that that chapter, because we're gonna use some stupid metaphors anyway. Uh, next signing, the Twins got out and they got Alex Colome. And did we mention at all that they got Nelson Cruz back? I don't think we did because I think that happened after our last podcast. No, so they also re-signed Nelson Cruz, which is a huge move for them because that's what they needed to do. They need more offense yep. to help Donaldson and future Silver Slugger winner Max Kepler. Calling it now. I mean, I'm not going to argue. I, I love I love Mr. Bundesliga. Um, not to mention that they have a – potential rookie of the year candidate coming up. I don't know if this I don't know if they're coming up this year, but Alex Kirillov, he's a huge power bat too. And if you could get him going, maybe under the tutelage of Nelson Cruz. I mean, as long as he skips the whole chapter about how steroids can make your game better because he's proven that twice. Um <laughs> Yeah, maybe don't teach him that fact. Yeah, you can teach him everything about like swing path, launch angle, and con like contact, whatever the hell, exit velocity. Just leave out the steroids part. I mean, like, how do people even enjoy taking steroids? Because it's mostly needles. Like, come on. Like, why would you just... Like, I'm just going to stab myself to make myself better. Like, I don't have a problem with needles. Like, I think that sometimes they're necessary. But just, like, there's better ways to get better, such as lifting weights and not doing drugs. Anyway, um, that's my that's my take on this. Um, <laughs> should probably talk about Alex Colomay. The Colome like signing that's big for the Twins and two. I actually think it's a little bit better than the Nelson Cruz signing because yes. we know what Nelson Cruz is going to bring. It's going to bring more offense, more power, and that lineup needs him. But they're good without him. The mm -hmm. bullpen was okay, 
but now it's even better. And so it's like without column A, they could have probably made a good run, but who knows if they would have been able to survive. With column A, they can make a very deep run and last deep into, um, you know, October with yeah. hopefully now a guy they can set up for Rodgers. Not to mention, too, uh, you lost Trevor May early in the offseason, which was like pretty it's a pretty big hit when you're losing a guy who's pretty solid and got great stuff so going out and getting column a veteran reliever who clearly still has a lot left in the tank like that's a really good pickup to just kind of replace what you lost and you might even gain a little something who knows like we'll we'll see like i said like he's still got some shit left in the tank so hopefully he'll uh hopefully he'll prove that he's still worth all that money Speaking of being worth all that money and kind of like the Jake Arrieta thing, Chris Archer back to the Rays from Pittsburgh where he played some of the worst baseball of his career. Probably No, no not some. He played the worst baseball of his career. I don't think it could be any lower for Chris Archer. In fact, now that he's going back to Tampa, I only see him getting way better. Maybe not, not Cy Young caliber, but he's going to be like a – he's going to post up like a 320 and he'll be like a – He'll be a top 20 pitcher for sure. <laughs> and the only reason he'll get better, Eli, is because he's not injured anymore. He spent three years in Pittsburgh just continuously getting re-injured until finally he decided to have surgery to remove a piece of his rib that was causing he had like he had like a thyroid issue or something. Like his arm was literally just swelling up. So they had to remove a piece of his rib to reduce the swelling. So it shouldn't she she should be fine for the rest of his career. But that's the thing. Like with Pittsburgh, he kept being injured when he there was games where he would like wasn't injured he'd show the glimpses of what he could be and I wanted like if Pittsburgh was a little bit more of a contender I would have expected them to sign him to a really cheap deal like the Rays just did but I mean like I don't know it was just annoying the crap out of me because it's like I he was injured pretty much the whole time in Pittsburgh and now he's finally not injured and he gets to go to another team and be back to what he used to be and it's like <laughs> annoying loser what <laughs> it's, i don't know it's just funny like hey it's the curse of the pirates man like they uh they finally get a glimpse of something good and then as soon as they have it it breaks and then they sell it and then it's uh it's what it was it was what it was the, supposed to be not the curse of the pirates but the curse of that old gm that we had i much like our new gm is much better at making trades all right well that well, shane baz should have well, never been sent to the race shane baz should have never been sent to the race that was stupid. Why are you sending a top prospect and as a player to be named later? Especially after months of seeing how injured Chris Archer was. Angry. Fun. <laughs> Maybe it was out of fun. Speaking of fun, let's start the actual Wait, show. We forgot about talk about two uh, transactions and deals that were made. First, Tommy Lestella Ooh. signed with the Giants. Oh, yeah. Good contact limiting. The other one is uh, the Kansas City Royals have just made themselves contenders, in my opinion, by acquiring oh, yeah. outfielder Andrew Benatendi uh, and cast considerations. The Mets actually made themselves a part of this trade. They got a top prospect in uh, Khalil Lee. Uh, Khalil Lee. Uh, his spray chart <laughs> all over the place. I just like that name, dude. It reminds me of that SpongeBob episode, just little, little Lee. <laughs> yeah. And then the Red Sox uh, continue in their, uh, you know, getting decent MLB-ready players and a bunch of prospects that are coming up in a couple years as they got Frenchie Codera from the Royals, two players to be named later from the Royals, and, oh, remember that guy we talked about how the Mets got from the Blue Jays? Uh, Josh Winchikowski? 
I don't think we mentioned his name. Oh uh, well, they got him. They got the <laughs> Mets got him in part of the Steven Matz trade, and then immediately sent him to the Red Sox. So he has yeah. now been traded twice in the offseason. Joining, the I don't Lights. think we mentioned. I don't think we mentioned a single player who was traded in the Steven Matz trade, other than Steven Matz. Oh well, Josh Wojcikowski was sent from the Blue Jays to the Mets, and then sent from the Mets to the Red Sox. He joins Malik Smith as one of many guys to be traded multiple times in an offseason. Um, and then also they're going to get the Red Sox going to play to be later from the Mets. So. Royals. So basically, the Red Sox are just keeping their doors open. Love it. Yeah, and the Royals now just made themselves an even better outfield with even better hitters and even better lineup. But they still have to compete against the Twins and the White Sox, who are going to win the division and potentially win the American League. So The Twins? Yeah, me too. Excuse you, sir. Do he's not he's disparage. Good. Do not disparage La Pantera like that. Uh, La Pantera is going to be great. Yes. But he's not getting rings till he leaves the South Side. Incorrect. Shut your face. You're a disgrace. Let's talk about the AO West. So we're going to start off with the Athletics, who are trying to beef up their bullpen with um, signings like Nick Turley, Sergio Romo, Yusmero Petit. And is Cole Irvin a relief pitcher? I'm sorry. I've never heard of him. Yes, he is. He All right, cool. Pitcher. So I guessed right. Let's go. They also got, did you mention Adam Kolarik? No, I did not. Yeah, they also got Adam Kolarik. Um, I mean, like, Nick Turley is like a second-year player. To me, that's one of the more underrated signings they did because they basically got a very good left-handed pitcher. Um, and now with Adam Kolarik, they have two very good left-handed pitchers coming in out of that bullpen. Plus, if they don't want to keep Puck as a starter, they'll have three very good left-handed relievers. Or maybe if Lazardo doesn't really seem like he can last all those innings, they'll have four really good lefties coming out of that bullpen. They'll just have a bullpen full of really good left-handed relievers, and then we'll oh be like, oh, crap, we want to face Cleveland. Or like a nightmare. I see Cleveland. They meant Oakland. Come on, man. One of the ass. <laughs> Uh, Otherwise, but a, yeah. a, a sad move for me because it involved Crush Davis. I liked seeing him in uh, yellow and green. That's just because those are good. It's a good color combo. Except for in football. But anyway, uh, the, the A's got Elvis Andres and the catcher, uh, Ramos Garcia. Um, but like, so Elvis Andres, oh my God, like, can you imagine, like, Matt Chapman and Elvis Andres on the same side of the field? Nothing. Yeah. That's that's it's gonna be it's gonna be fun to watch. The only the only thing is just, you know, you're trading Simeon for Andres. You're you're gaining a couple you're gaining a couple years of experience. And uh, I mean, I'm not saying that his talent is anywhere less than it was a while ago, but I mean, it kind of is. But <laughs> uh, he's still above average shortstop. He's great defender, and he's. I mean, we've seen guys before clutch those. hitter like. We've seen guys go before, go from a non-contender to a contender, and all of a sudden their careers just amplify. Like, they get back to what they were in their prime, if not greater. Like, we saw this with Verlander. We've seen this time and time again. Guys go from teams that have pretty much given up, and then they go to a team that doesn't is in the, in the thick of it, and all of a sudden it's like, hey, I'm what I used to be back when my team was good. And I think that might just have something to do with just um... – um, as as Marshawn Lynch would say, y'all mentals, because you just you go to a contending team and you think, like I am actually in a position where I could win something. Everybody around me is like hyped as hell. Like we're like 
we all believe that we can do this. Like there's just this whole mentality of just we're here, we're going to do this. We can do this. Let's get it. Let's go. Let's get it. Let's go. So like getting into a clubhouse where that's the mentality other than rather than the, a clubhouse where it's like, Hey, so uh, we could get like a really high draft pick this year if we tank a couple of games. <laughs> like that's, it just does something like it reinvigorates you. Like you just feel like, you feel like you have more to contribute because you're actually contributing to a good cause. It feels like, like rather than like being put down for like, you may be good, but just the nobody around you is. So you just kind of have to accept the slide, the downhill trend. Like now you're in a position where you're a contender. Like you actually can contribute and not have people get mad at you. Like go, go for it. Like, I, that's, I think the biggest thing is it doesn't matter how good you are. Like in the past, it, what matters is just, how like like what your like well i can't even think of the word now like the aura of the team around you like how they help you out and like bring your mentality back to the let's do this rather than i mean we can get a draft pick (laughs) yeah i also think it'll help him because it's like he's going to a team he can just be whatever he wants to be. Like the speed guy is Laureano, the power guy is Matt Olson, the defense guy is Matt Chapman. He can just be a little bit of all three. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. he doesn't need to go in and be the power guy. He doesn't need to go in and be the defense guy. He doesn't need to be going and be the speed guy. He can just be Elvis Andres, hitting hitting whatever he wants to hit. Doubles, triples, big old bombs. We'll see. I don't think I don't think Elvis Andres can hit big old bombs anymore. <laughs> He might hit one or two. He's gonna hit one or two. Yeah, he'll hit one. Or, he'll, he'll get like Garrett Crochet or somebody throws like a hundred and two on average out there, and he'll just barrel it up real well and ball go like four twenty. But that's that's about it. <laughs> hey, one big old bomb is better more than I ever hit. <laughs> oh, I just realized something. So we're looking at the biggest needs for the uh, for this Oakland team, and on this list of needs. We were forgetting about a guy who was recently signed by a team in the NL East. Yeah, I was wondering if you were going to remember that. Mr. <laughs> Mr. Adam Duvall. And he is not going back to the Braves. What was that confused look? Are you not going to talk about Marcelo Zuna? I mean, I can't talk about Marcelo Zuna. I thought you were I talking was... about the fact that Marcelo Zuna resigned with the it... Braves. Well, I was going to talk about the fact that Adam Duvall was, re- was signed by the Marlins. <laughs> oh, I... Missed that. Why the hell did I miss that? So did I. Like, I just randomly found it one day. Like, I didn't even get a notification on my phone or anything. It was just like, oh, by the way, Adam Duvall's in the Marlins. I'm like, what the hell? That was important information. Well, Marlins went in the East now. <laughs> All right. Uh, we'll we'll come back. To, we'll come back to this after we finish talking about the uh, the A's though, because this is whole, like we got we got to finish this part. This is an interesting conversation we're talking about. So, they yeah. just need you need that one more guy in the outfield. They already have Canna and they have Mariano, who are solid outfielders i honestly think that canna is i I don't know i haven't really seen too much of him like at a single position because he swaps around the outfield so much i think when i think of him though i think of him more as a left fielder other than um more than right field for some reason i don't know maybe it's just me so Maybe left field. Maybe maybe they don't really necessarily need a left fielder. They just need just a guy that you can stick out in the corner, kind of like Canna himself. Um, as much as I love Stephen Piscotty, um, and I love that play of him, Players Weekend, where he was blinded by the sun, just stuck his glove out, and somehow the ball just was magnetically attracted to his mitt. Fantastic, one of the best plays that I've ever seen. 
I don't think that he's a great defensive outfielder. He's got a decent bat, so they definitely need somebody to fill in that gap. Jackie Bradley Jr. still on the market. So is Kevin Pillar. Ben Gamble, I feel like, oddly enough, as much as I don't want him to go there, he kind of seems like a perfect fit. Um, he's got a, he's got a ton of speed. He's got a decent contact bat, not too much. Basically, like, negligible power. Or maybe we could see a reunion with Josh Reddick, former former A before um, the world hated him. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, for the, the outfield, it's just because the outfield is like, yeah, Tony Kemp could probably be a pretty fine outfield, like, left fielder for the A's. But I don't know. I just feel like if they went out and got someone who has speed, has defense – that would just help them in the long run. Oakland's a big ballpark. You know, if you can get out and get a Pilar or a JBJ, then you have less less you have to worry about. And the fact that you have like Loriano who's got a cannon. Um, I mean, just like, but there is a rumor I heard flying around. Did you hear the rumor that the A's are looking into acquiring Adam Frazier? Hmm. I did so, not hear that. Which is weird because, like, I mean, I don't pay Chad- attention to the Pirates, so. Yeah, it's, I mean, I only heard it because some guy was like, oh, I expect the Pirates lineup on opening day to be Stephen Piscotty in right field because Chad, uh, Adam Frazier will get sent to the Rays in exchange, or the A's in exchange for Stephen Piscotty and a prospect. And I was like, interesting. Doesn't make sense in terms of what the Pirates have been doing, but interesting. Nope. Also doesn't make sense for Stephen Piscotty himself. I mean, yeah, but like, I don't think the team cares about that. Hey. Don't you dare disparage my boy Stephen Piscotty, okay? I mean, I like Stephen Piscotty, but like, if the if the A's are going to move some, like, get Adam Frazier, who can play outfield, play second base, like, you know, a second tier utility guy, like, necessarily can't play like short or third, but he can play left field, right field, second base. True. You know, mix in with like half Chad Pender, Tony Kemp, or also those kind of guys. Also, I just want to say this is completely unrelated to most of the most of what we're talking about, but it is Steven Piscotty related. I have a life-size poster of him under my bed somewhere or it's in my closet, but it's I got it at a Cardinal game back when he was playing for the Cardinals and, you know, had all this beautiful talent. Um, <laughs> it's like a life-size poster. It's like a Got Milk poster, so it's just him with like a bat over his shoulders and a milk mustache, and it's a full, like, six-foot-five poster or whatever, and, you know, it's beautiful. And I really wish I could hang it up, but I have nowhere in my room to put it. Derek, can I like can I like wrap it on your car? You can put it on your ceiling, Eli. <laughs> I could just I could just stare into the eyes of some milk mustache Stephen Piscotti as I fall asleep. <laughs> you know what? There are worse ways to take a nap. Alright, so that pretty much gives us brings us to the end of the A's, right? I mean they're yeah. gonna have they're gonna have Matt Chapman back next year, which is gonna be huge. Um He's coming off what, he, was some kind of surgery that I don't remember because surgeries just make me upset. Uh, but they're going to get the second best third baseman in baseball simply because Nolan Arenado is just a little bit better in offense. But Matt Chapman is just, just as good defensively. Yeah, I don't know. There's not really much else to say about, about I it. I mean, I definitely think, like, everyone wants to give that division the benefit of the doubt to the Astros. I definitely think the A's, to me, are the most likely to win the division. To me, the A's are the division winner. And then if they can just get over that hump in the playoffs of just the offense disappearing. And hopefully with Matt Chapman being around, you know, all year, you know, he is he is a good offensive bat. Yeah, and that's the, that's the thing with Oakland, too, is 
I mean, we saw it last. We saw it last year in 2020, even though it was a shortened season, we saw them be that completely dominant team for the uh, most of the regular season. As soon as they got into the playoffs, their offense disappeared, and that was really, really the reason why. Like the biggest reason I think why the Astros really made it to the CS was the experience. Like they had been there many times before, and those guys. I mean, call them cheaters, call them what you will, but you gotta admit they're one of the hung they're one of the hungriest groups of ball players that you will ever see. Like when they get into the playoffs, they turn up just savage beasts. Like it's crazy. Like Correa hit what like two twenty during the regular season. As soon as he got into the playoffs, he hit like double the amount of homers, drove in twice as many people, and his batting average just skyrocketed. Like he was just ready. He wanted to be in that position. And he definitely didn't miss an opportunity when he was at the plate at all during the postseason. So like then that mentality like is contagious when you have a guy like Correa out there who just wants to prove himself and wants to make sure that everybody knows how good he is, even though a lot of people hate him for it. Like he does it and he does it well. And everybody just loves being around that guy, that kind of guy. So that's what really what the A's need is they need that catalyst. They need somebody out there who can be their Carlos Correa, be the guy who just sends them over just because of how much he loves being in the postseason position. And speaking of the cheaters, let's talk about them next. <laughs> okay, but let us let's remind everyone who's listening. Call them cheaters, but take it easy on Michael Brantley, okay? He wasn't there for it. That's true. <laughs> there are some guys who just like everybody disparages just because they're on the Astros. I've said disparage so many times in this in this episode. I need to I need new words. Uh, this is why you guys should follow us on Twitter. You can tweet words at me that I can like punch into the podcast every now and then. Maybe you'll hear a special word from me. Um, <laughs> anyway, people just think like so they just disrespect him so much and they forget that some of these guys don't deserve any of it. Like Jordan Alvarez, he was in the minors back then. So just stop being mean to my guys, okay? Like some of them are just like good people. <laughs> I'm glad you brought up Jordan Alvarez. And before we get who all they signed, I want to talk a little bit about Alvarez. He is a, like really powerful, great bat, but it disappeared last year. He was injured. What was he? But I mean, still disappeared. Yes, he was. He was but injured. He still, it still, <laughs> if he's injured, it just, he disappeared. It still disappeared. I'm not wrong. Yeah. But anyway, now, now you have an answer. Now it's not it's a mystery. Just, it's just though, it's like if the Astros are going to win. They need Jordan Alvarez to be what he was, what, two years ago? Yeah. 2019. They, they need that unanimous MVP. Yeah, yeah, they need that They need that guy that just all of a sudden walks up and it's like, oh, you need a bomb to four 300 feet? How about 550? Like, he, they, <laughs> he's basically Joey Gallo. Joey Gallo could just hit a little better. I so. would more equate him with a non-cheating left-handed Nelson Cruz because if you put him in the, if you put him in the outfield, you're – Losing a shit ton on defense, so I mean, Joey Gallo can actually play pretty good defense. Yes, yes, he can. Got a great arm. Uh, but let's get to the signings of the Astros. So they beefed up their bullpen with uh, Ryan Stenick and Pedro Baez, which I thought were two Pedro, good signings for them. They are good signings. It's just that Pedro Baez is the slowest. Um, like <laughs> he's the reason why the pitch clock needs to be in baseball and like actually enforced because I don't know if you've if people have seen it but there's like compilations on YouTube of Pedro Baez being a super slow pitcher it's something like on average he takes 45 seconds between pitches being thrown and it's just painful so um Astros beat it out of him please <laughs> yeah the MLB's gonna institute the pitch clock just for Pedro Baez 
only for pitcher bias. And like everyone else is fine. This guy in particular has to do quicker. Like, Mark Burley was just the best pitcher ever in terms of pitch clock. And if everybody in baseball could just like pitch more like Mark Burley, where you get the ball and you just want to pitch so bad that you throw it within 10 seconds, like if we could get that into every pitcher's like brain, baseball would be fantastic. <laughs> I mean, there's a, you're seeing too with like the young guys, a lot of the young guys coming up get the ball and they spiral really quickly because the pitch clock is already in the minors. Like there's a pitch mm-hmm. clock in the minor leagues. So you're seeing these guys that for the three, four years, you know, they were in the minors, they had to rely, they had to use the pitch clock. So when they get to the majors and there's no pitch clock, they're still pitch quickly. Maybe they slow down a little because now they don't have to worry about it. But it's still like it got in their brain that they have to get the ball on fire because they don't have much time. Then I think you may never, you may, it may be a while before you see the, the pitch clock in the majors because you're going to see guys just naturally come up and be that kind of get the ball fire, get the ball fire. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I mean, if people are worried about, action in baseball and pace of play or whatever then this is a good start because i mean the less time that you spend on the mound thinking about what you're gonna throw the more likelihood there are of like or the more grit that the greater chance there is of a pitcher making a mistake leaving a breaker over the plate or a change up middle like middle middle and then you know there you go offensive problem solved like pitchers rush themselves make a mistake batters capitalize everyone's happy except for the pitcher <laughs> Um, which, uh, which apparently MLB is going to include more, uh, what was it, dehumidifiers or humidors at Major League Ballparks because they're trying to unjuice the balls. Oh, but I thought the balls weren't juiced. MLB. Yeah, that's, that's, what, that's what some of the pitchers are saying. <laughs> that's what all the pitchers are saying because they're pissed because they knew yeah. that they were right. And the MLB is just like, yeah, but like you're not though. I really thought that, did you ever see that, like, Twitter exchange between David Price and Mike Trout where he was, like, us pitchers knew for a while, and then it was, like, Mike Trout, like, commenting, being, like, oh, yeah, like, oh, no, like, I like, and then, like, being, like, oh, I'm not going to do as good, and David Price mm-hmm. is, like, no, you'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, Mike, Mike Trout, shut up, you're going to be fine. Like, nothing you could do to a baseball would save it from Mike Trout. No. Uh, speaking um, of outfielders, great segues. Yeah, uh, Astros did sign two of them. Signed, re-signed Michael Brantley after losing George Springer to the Astros. They almost lost Michael Brantley again. That was that crazy thing where, like, it was announced the same day they signed George yep. Springer. They also signed Michael Brantley in Toronto, and it was like, Astros were like, no. <laughs> I'm actually, like, a little, like, okay. I- I'm more okay with it now that I think about it, of the Blue Jays not getting Michael Brantley. It would have been great, you know, you got a good, you got a good le- veteran left-handed bat there. He's got a great contact. He's pretty clutch. But if you get him, what are you going to do with Grichik and Guriel? And like Grichik is another one of those guys who's like kind of kind of their leader, like especially for the young for the young guys, good right-handed bat. And Guriel has proven that he is better than his older brother. So um, yeah, you know what? I'm fine with it now. Yeah, Michael Brantley, stay in stay in Houston. It's okay. They need after uh, the entire Houston sports world is suffering at the hands of losing James Harden, losing Garrett Cole, losing George Springer, losing J.J. Watt, about to lose Sean Watson. They need somebody they can get behind. Yeah, Houston, Houston's been knocked up a bit the last month and year, and so... They've been knocked um, up? Who's the dad? Sadness. <laughs> depression. <laughs> uh, um, <laughs> anyway, the other outfielder they signed is Steven Souza Jr., who, if you don't remember Steven Souza Jr., I understand. 
<laughs> Look, I like Steven Souza Jr., okay? The reason I put him on here is because I like Steven Souza Jr. He was on the Rays, and then he went to the Diamondbacks, and then he went to another team, and then he was on the Cubs, and he played a game, and now he's on the Astros. I like how you like, don't even remember the other team. Just like, because it was just like, it was just like, it was just like, oh, yeah, like, Steven Souza Jr. got traded again. Oh, he got cut. Like, he just never, like, he got injured, I think, with Arizona, and so he couldn't get back. He could never prove himself. And then all of a sudden it was like, you know, whatever team he went to was a minor league deal. And then it was like, he can't. So I'm hoping the Astros, because I think he's on a minor league deal. So I'm hoping the Astros, he's able to like show up in spring training, win an outfield spot, you know. Yeah, they got two of them open, so. That's true. And they only have so many young prospects who I think are ready. So unless they're going to rush somebody or sign a guy like, you know, JBJ or Ben Gamble, re-sign Reddick. I don't see them doing that. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, I think the like best likelihood you have of them going out and getting an outfielder is JBJ. I'm just really surprised nobody signed JBJ, and I think it's because people are concerned with his offense. But you gotta remember his defense more than makes up for it. So. Yeah, like he's he's kind of like Jason Hayward, where you just like you don't really know what the hell you're gonna get on offense, but good lord, are you getting some solid defense? But anyway, um, they really do kind of need one more starting pitcher. I mean, they have Zach Ranke still, who, you know, he will just never die. Uh, Framber Valdez is going to be a future uh, Cy Young winner. Come at me. Uh, Christian Javier showed glimpses of being a very fantastic prospect. He was even, I think, what, like fourth in rookie of the year or third or something. Uh, Lance McCullers Jr. was just got off an injury last year, and he's showing that he can be a solid pitcher again. But the fact that you have Javier, Valdez, and Urquidy who are all three combined have maybe a year and a half of experience. And that's including the fact that they just played a 60 game season. <laughs> um, you kind of need one more veteran to kind of hold down the fort there. Plus we all love Zach Ranky, but he's not the most consistent pitcher anymore. I mean, he's going to be a hall of famer for sure. The thing is, he's just, I don't know. Every time I see him go out there and like in the playoffs, he had a, tough time getting outs um like every now and then you'd see like a couple innings where he would actually like he would do okay he would you know go three up three down maybe but he's too inconsistent with that there's too many innings of him getting roughed up between the three up three downs they need one more guy to just kind of step in there and kind of like be a stopper starter you know what i mean so i'm i'm glad you finally agree that zach grinky is going to be a hall of famer because you were fighting me out that for like the last two years, where I'd be like, Zach Grinke's going to be a Hall of Famer. And you were like, no. And I was like, he is, though, because De look at the numbers. Derek, De you've known me for how long? Like 90% of the shit I say is to fuck with you. Like, come on. <laughs> yeah, but you were doing it. You actually, you were like genuinely like, no, nah, Zach Grinke's not a Hall of Famer. And I was like, look at the stats. Look at the numbers. Look at his career strikeouts. He's like fifth on you the list. You see how riled up you are right now? And I'm agreeing with you. This is why I say these things. <laughs> Because you know that I was right no, all No, because I know it makes you mad, and that makes me happy. <laughs> the pitchers that I think would work best in uh, the Astros, and I think one of these might have already been signed. Jake Odorizzi, has he, was he signed? Uh, I think out of these three guys, I think maybe Brett Anderson was actually signed first. How is Brett Anderson signed before Odorizzi and Porcello? No, because Chase Anderson was signed by the Right, Bates. and they're the same person. Chase, Cody, and Brett Anderson are all the same person. <gasps> No. Anyway, so yeah, like I, Rick Postello, I think would do really well because they were able to revive Verlander. And like, yeah, there's more of Verlander to revive. 
but they they I know Houston uses that like camera behind the bullpen pitcher, uh, not the camera, not to be confused with the camera in center field. Um, <laughs> anyway, you gotta remember which cheating is which. <laughs> yeah, well, the, the the one in the bullpen isn't cheating because they would just set up a camera behind the pitcher so the pitcher could see his arm angle, and Verlander realized he was dropping his arm from like over the top to three quarters, and that's why he lost like spin on his curveball while his velocity was dropping. So he got back to what he was doing in Detroit. And that's why you saw a resurgence in Verlander's career, you know. And that's why Bauer was so adamant that Cole and Verlander were cheating because the camera, like the, the Astros were using a technique that not many teams had adopted yet. So it was helping their pitchers. Yeah, and, and that, Bauer was like, I mean, be mad at that all you want, but that's that's legitimately not cheating. That's the same thing no. as like trying to increase your spin rate or watching like or like fixing your arm, like your it's, it's literally just fixing your arm slot by watching yourself. So like, what, yeah, what? you're just watching film. Film watching yeah. has been a part of baseball since the '80s. Like Tony Gwynn used to watch hours worth of film. Yeah, it's the same. It. Exactly, it's the same thing as hitters watching their own tape to like figure out like if there's a hitch in there. If there's a hitch in their giddy up, or like there's something wrong in their batting stance. Like, I mean, bitch about it all you want. That is not illegal. So good job, no, Astros. That- you found a way to cheat, but not cheat. Yay. <laughs> So that's why I think if you got you brought in a guy like Rick Porcello, like you could see Porcello get a resurgence to what he was a couple of years ago. Maybe not to the full like extent that Verlander did. You well, may- if I'm if I'm not mistaken, wasn't okay. I might I probably will be, but wasn't he part of the Scherzer and Verlander like really great Tigers era back in like with the Anibal mid- Sanchez and all that? Yeah, it was Rick Porcello. Oh my that. god, that was beautiful. I Rick that Porcello was some of the best like a shot off the head in that World Series against the Giants. Line drive back. I, think like, I think it was like Buster Posey hit a line drive back up the middle and it went off uh, Porcello's head in like the fifth inning and he had to get, they like had to pull him. Oh, so he's not Nolan Ryan is what you're saying. Nope. See, Nolan Ryan would have taken a line drive to the face and still struck out 10 more people because he's Nolan freaking Ryan. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, we're not talking about Nolan freaking Ryan. We're talking about the Houston freaking Astros. Which, I mean, Nolan Ryan was a Houston freaking Astro. Yeah, yeah, he was, but he's not, he hasn't played for them in like 20 some years. So that's true. Uh, but yeah, so like the Astros have good people on their team and they can make a run. But I don't know, I just feel like the loss of Springer is going to hurt them more than people I think realize. Yeah, because he's, he was a catalyst, especially during the regular season. He was one of the only guys for the Astros this last season who actually showed any signs of consistency at the plate. He's always been he's always been that kind of guy where he's good for like a 270, 280, 30-some bombs, shit ton of RBIs out of the leadoff spot, which makes no sense. Solid defender, great base runner. Like, you're losing a total package out there. Like, he's more of a five-tool player than people, like, would want to give him credit for because he's on the Astros. But he is a solid, solid center fielder. And, like, that's that's the thing, too. People, like, kind of go up in arms against him because he's on the Astros. But, I mean, honestly, Carlos Correa was the biggest problem with the Astros with the whole cheating scandal because, I mean, Springer kind of kept his mouth shut. But had they just apologized rather than, like, doubling down and being like we're sorry that you guys took this the wrong way i don't think that we would have seen any of this like hatred towards the astros it was just carlos correa in a bad press conference 
I mean, Bregman and Altuve were kind of like portraying that whole like, oh, we still would have won anyway. If we didn't cheat. Like, you don't know that. You cheat, you oh. automatically, all, all assumptions that you could have won go out the window because you cheated. I th- personally, though, I think they could have. Personally, I think they could have just because, I mean, if you look at, I mean, if you just look at, if you isolate Jose Altuve alone before 2017, he was still one of the best players in baseball. <laughs> no, I mean, they were, they're good, but I'm just, it just annoys the crap out of me that whole logic of, well, they without cheating, they could still have won. Like you don't know that. Like they cheated. They obviously didn't think they could have won without cheating. Yeah. So, so you far, you haven't won without cheating. So, so yeah. far, you haven't won without cheating. So, like, uh, that's true. Prove it, so bitch. Like, I mean, I think the biggest thing with like losing uh, Springer is they lost a leadoff hitter. The now who's going to replace the like? Are they going to move Altuve back to leadoff spot? Like he's okay in it, but and he's like, still the state. Yeah. Yeah. Like he became their staple second, like second of the order guy. Like. Correa was third, Bregman's, like, fifth. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you're going to move somebody up to a leadoff spot that either is unproven, like Miles Straw, or isn't utilized properly if they're in the leadoff spot. Yeah. Um, it's it's going to be an interesting shakeup down in H-Town. Uh, <laughs> I, I just really don't know what else to say. It's like, they're still a solid team. Their core is pretty solid. I mean, Bregman, Correa, Altuve, Guriel, like, they that whole infield, like, they're, they've been solid. They've proven that they're like a top tier team, just the four of those guys. So if they can get a little bit more help other than Brantley, one more outfielder and maybe a kind of solid catcher, I think you'll see them back to being just your regular old contending Houston Astros. Speaking of teams that I want to be good again, segues. Uh, <laughs> the Mariners. <laughs> Wait, so does that mean you want the Astros to be good again? I want them to be good, but not cheat. I don't mind the I never minded the Astros. They just annoyed the crap out of me if they cheated and then they were all like, Well, yeah, did we cheat? True. Like, yes, you did. Stop yeah. lying about it. You I mean made Altuve, gonna... you made Altuve get a tattoo to prove you weren't cheating. Yeah, I mean, I'm not gonna lie, like I was one hundred percent rooting for the for the Astros that World Series. Like, dude, okay. Too. Cheating, cheating or not, Game Five of the 2017 World Series is one of the greatest games I've ever seen. It was a great game, and then, I know there's like less evidence that they cheated in the postseason, but you still—it's the fact that you don't—we don't know because they yeah. don't—they won't admit anything. They're just like we cheated in the regular season only, but we still would have won anyway. So it doesn't matter. I'm like whatever. Anyway, we made a segue into the Mariners, and we didn't even talk about them yet. So let's—that's uh, let's true. Do that. The Mariners. Let's talk about uh, the Mariners, man. I this want is them like to be good. Normal. <laughs> I want the Mariners to finally win a World Series. Yes. Oh, my God. I want them to be in a fucking World Series. They've never even been in one. Exactly. Like, come on, man. Um, The last team to do it, because the the, the Expos, I'm not going to call them the Nationals, because I like the Astros, the Expos better. The Expos were the last team, were the, well, the second to last team to do it, and now they just left the Mariners out to dry. Like, they could have at least, like, you know, gone into the World Series together. You know, like yeah, that would have been great. A Nationals Mariners World Series. Yeah, that would have been fantastic. There's still a couple like, teams though that don't even have one. I know the Brewers and Rays don't have one any yet. Uh Padres don't have one either. Padres Rockies don't have one. But any of these teams have been have to World Series. Yeah. Rockies don't have a World Series ring either. Rockies is gonna be well for them. Yeah, yeah, it is. Anyway, the Mariners. <laughs> so they signed Kendall Graveman. So Kendall Graveman should slot in as a reliever. I know he used to be a starter way back when, but he's a better reliever now they also got a right-handed pitcher named uh rafael montero from the rangers so those are like two like 
good bullpen pieces they're getting out. And so I think they're doing what I think a lot of teams should do, and they're building up the bullpen, and then they're going to find starting pitching either on the market or in trade value. I mean, they got some good starting pitchers. Like, they got uh, – I'm going to butcher this so hard. You're going to butcher Mar- this? What? You're going to butcher this? I'm going to butcher this. Margevicious? Oh, shit. I forgot how to say this dude's name, too. It's the guy they got from the Padres for Austin. Wait, no, you miss. You had to have misspelled this. I think it's like Mang Nervous or something. Why? No, hold on. <laughs> well, I'm well, looking this up. Well, we're good. Let me just talk about the other signing they did. They went out. And did they did sign James Paxton? So they're 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 reacquiring some of that old left-handed help they got, and they're gonna have quite a few left-handers in this lineup in the starting rotation with Marco Gonzalez, James Paxton, and. Is Sheffield a lefty? I thought Sheffield was a lefty, but he uh, I believe he is, and I have an answer on how to pronounce his name. I'm going to try my best. So, Baseball Reference has the phonetic spelling. Margavichus. Margavichus. Mar- All right. Mar- Margavichus? Because they're like putting the emphasis on the gav part, so. It might be Margavichus. Margavichus. Anyways, they got, his, right. they got him from the Padres. He is really good up and coming. He'll do well in Seattle. So, like, their pitching and bullpen is on its way up because of moves they've made. Um, so uh, it's just a matter of <laughs> it's just a matter of if the hitting can get there while the pitching's still good. And the good news is for Seattle, Kyle Lewis is the real deal. Oh hell yeah, dude! He's. I mean, I don't want to say he's looking like a like a young Griffey, but he's looking like a young Griffey. <laughs> A right-handed Griffey, too. Do a right-handed Griffey. Like, who who would have thought? And, like, who would have thought, too, that it would be from the same team? Like, good Lord. But, nah, he's he's doing fantastic. I mean, he, of course, like, had the second-half slump that literally everybody in the season had last year. Yeah. <laughs> so you can't, really, you can't really fault. Like, 2020 is the weirdest season. You can't really judge anything except for the fact that Kyle Lewis is the real deal. And But, like, we saw that before 2020 started. They called him up in September of 2019, and I think, like, his third game in the league, he had three home runs. Um, I immediately picked him up on my fantasy team before the third home, before the three-home run game, and let me tell you, that's my favorite fantasy transaction I've ever made. Um, I don't care if I didn't win anything. It just felt good. But, no, this kid, this kid is going to be their freaking captain in, like, two years. He's going to be... He's their Blackbeard. He's gonna he's gonna lead this team to uh, to many booty. <laughs> Nautical themed because we're talking about the Mariners. I get it. Anyway, uh, I mean, the thing, it's more than just like Kyle Lewis that I think is gonna be. I think Shedlong Junior is gonna make himself into a premier second baseman. And they have what that those that uh that Rodriguez. What's his first name? Uh, Julio Rodriguez. Oh, Julio Rodriguez. Uh, not, they also have Jared Kalenic, who is one of the top prospects in all of baseball, and he is looking mighty nasty. Yeah, and those are both guys who are expected to come up within the next two years. So you could have all of a sudden a lineup that's Evan White, Shedlong Jr., Kyle Lewis, Klenick, and Rodriguez mixed in with, you know, a couple veterans like Kyle Seeger and J.P. Crawford. Like, you know what I mean? And the potentially healthy Mitch Haniger. And hopefully doesn't have a problem with his nuts, Hanniger. Wait. Yeah. Is that what he, was, is that what the problem was? Yeah, he had like a really uh like strange, obscure um 
groin strain that was more like twisted nut syndrome. <laughs> like, I, I, feel, remember, I feel I really reading bad. about it and being like, oh, that sucks. Because he was on my fantasy team. And then they're like, oh, yeah, yeah he won't be healthy in time. And I was like, Ooh. I feel I feel really bad. But like, it's kind of funny. Though. It's kind of funny. Like, he's got twisted nuts. But as somebody with nuts, I, I, I feel really bad for him. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Poor, poor Mitch Haniger. I hope your nuts get better. Um, I mean, they could very well. I mean, let's move on from the twisted nuts. Uh, <laughs> a guy that I think is really underrated in Seattle is Dylan Moore. Like, he's a great contact hitter. He plays multiple positions. The guy can himself. score runs. And that's something you don't hear a lot anymore. It's guys who know how to score runs. Yeah. Good base runner. Doesn't steal bases, but he gets on base, and he's not going to make mistakes on base. He scores a lot of runs. I yeah. think if the, if the Mariners are going to be good this year, it's going to be because Dylan Moore is scoring a lot. I think yeah. it's weird to say, if it's weird to hear, but I think it's true. <laughs> it's it's kind of a lost art scoring runs because so many people are worried about, you know, their exit velocity, launch angle, and all that crap that people just don't focus on, like, the guys who can get splash hits, who can dash around the bases, who can take advantage of a misplay in the outfield, take advantage of an errant throw like it's it's an art just being able to pay attention like that and actually like think about like actual gameplay rather than what is going to produce the most amount of power and pad my stats like it's 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 like Ichiro Ichiro is the perfect I think he might even be the last one to do it the guy who just flicks it in for a base hit knows what the situation calls for and just executes like we're we're seeing less and less of that and it's a little bit frustrating but seeing guys who can show glimpses of that is it forms the soul yeah so the biggest need that I think that the Mariners need is a left fielder and some bullpen help so yeah. What do you mean? No? Are you? No. Oh no, no! I mean, like, I mean, yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah All right. Yeah. So, <laughs> the left field is thinking about. I feel like they should go for some speed. Get Billy Hamilton. Get Tyler Naquin. You know, speed. I think would help this team. It's already mm-hmm. a pretty quick team. So why not get more speed? Yeah, just be an onslaught of stolen bases and covering the entire earth with your speed. <laughs> You know, like, and then they, they uh, want a veteran, like a guy that's like a one-year guy, like, okay, Redick, play for mm-hmm. his third American League West team. Uh, Cameron Maben would be a good fit, I think, to do like a one-year quick deal. Dude, Cameron Maben. <laughs> I like Cameron Maben. He's always been a pretty solid outfielder and solid ball player. His speed seems to only be getting better as the years go by. But he gets bounced around so much that I kind of like feel bad for him. Like I just want him to stay with the one team and just be able to settle down and relax. There you go, Cameron Maben. If you're listening, go sign with the Mariners for multiple years and retire. Yes, uh, it will do you. It'll, it'll do wonders for you. You'll get to play with great up and coming players. You'll get to have a lot of fun, and plus, you'll get to meet Ken Griffey Jr. a lot more than most people. Yeah. What's better than that? <laughs> nothing. <laughs> nothing. Nothing at all. Um, for bullpen help, they could go out and get Ozuna. But mm-hmm. I don't feel like he's been signed yet. I think but Ken you know, Giles was signed. Yes, and you want to know who he was signed by? This very team! Oh my he god, was signed I by the Mariners. You, compl- you didn't predict shit. It happened last week. <laughs> okay, but I wrote this up, like, Monday. 
Like, okay, like well, okay, well, if any team needs bullpen help, you're going to put in, like, the top relievers on the market, which are Osuna and Giles. Like, it's to not, be fair, you're not have, clairvoyant. To be fair, I did put Ken Giles down a lot, so yes. I my See? it. <laughs> yeah, you're not clairvoyant. You're just not, like, you just make sense. That's it. <laughs> I'm just doing what's logical by establishing that good players should be signed. <laughs> <laughs> wow, so intuitive. Anyway, um... I can't remember the details of the deal. I think it was only a one-year deal for now. I think they're looking to sign him for longer because why wouldn't you? Yeah, I think they're just – you got to make sure he is good Ken Giles and not bad Ken Giles because I know – you got to make sure he's like rookie of the year candidate Ken Giles and not I punch myself in the face for giving up a three-run homer Ken Giles. You got to make sure he's a 100-mile-per-hour Giles and not – oh, no. Punch yourself in the face. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um. I would also like to see them sign, like, Shane Green. I feel like Shane Green would be a good fit in Seattle. Yeah, what the hell happened to Shane Green? He was, like, one of the best relievers in baseball playing for one of the worst teams in baseball, and then he just went to Atlanta. I thought – oh, he did go to Atlanta. I think he went to New York. No, he went to – that's Chad Green. Chad Green. There we go. Who are also also the same person. Also the same person. Much like Brett Chase and uh, uh, Cody Anderson. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, that pretty much sums up the Mariners. They're they're one of those teams where like they have so much promise that like going out and getting people is kind of like almost secondary because they have so many people that they can just bring up that they've acquired over the last couple of years and just fill these spots. Yeah, which is why a lot of these deals that they're signing are small one-year deals. It's because they don't want to make a big commitment to James Paxton for three years and all of a sudden have two you know, young starters that are like, oh, but we could play now. And it's like, ah, crap, what are we going to do with Paxton? Like, now you got to move him somehow. I would like to see the Mariners make a surprise run. Yeah, I would – I'm always down for the Mariners becoming one of the best teams in baseball because nobody expects it, and it's fun. I love seeing new teams in the playoffs. Like, it it gets tiring watching the same teams in the playoffs. NBA. Um, Like, I just want to see new guys. What would you say? Is it also football? Yeah, pretty much every major sport except for baseball. It's <laughs> it's kind of frustrating because I mean, I mean, think about it. You only got five guys on a court on like on court for a team, like in basketball, and then for football, as long as you have a good quarterback and like two decent wide receivers and maybe a running back, like there you go, your offense is set. Like it's <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it's very hard to get. It seems like it's very hard for bad teams to become good in any other sport but baseball. Yeah, it really, yeah, because, I mean, especially since, like, prospects in basketball and football almost seem to be a guaranteed thing. Like, Zion Williamson, number one overall prospect, stayed out of high school, and then he was rookie of the year. Like, just, it's just guaranteed. And then you get Yoan Moncada, number one prospect in all baseball, traded to the White Sox, comes up his first year, hits, like, 210 and is trash. Like, who the fuck? Yeah, and even, too, like, (laughs) top prospect Jason Bay wins rookie of the year, gets traded, becomes trash. So it's just, like... Who knows? Who knows? Then, it's, like, like, it's one of the yeah. baseball. There's only one guy who got selected first overall uh, has ever made the Hall of Fame, Ken Griffey Jr. Yeah, and um, he he was elected the same year that the lowest um, drafted prospect was ever uh, ever was uh, elected awesome. to the Hall of Fame. Yeah, he was. I'm pre- and I'm pretty sure the story is he actually had to like bribe some dude to draft him. That guy's a hero now. Anyway, <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> Thank you very much, sir, for accepting the bribe. No stay away for this one, so we're just going to write to the Angels. Um, Did you just throw on an accent there? I might have accidentally, because I think my throat, like, I went to go cough, and I tried to suppress the cough, and it just came out of an accent. 
We're going right to the angels. <laughs> We're going to the angels. No. All right, Derek, I... let's talk about the angels. All right, so the angels <laughs> acquired uh, Jose Iglesias for the <laughs> Orioles in exchange for Jose... Uh, I don't know what I wrote. Jose Garrett Stallings? That's wrong. Something's wrong. They got Jose Iglesias. <laughs> I, I think they got... I think Jose. I think I think the I think, Jose I think they got Garrett Stallings. They did. I think I was tired when I was doing up the Angels. Sorry about that. I worked. Uh, you they were. got Garrett Stallings and uh, right-handed, or the Orioles got Garrett Stallings and Gene Pinto. I think this is great for the Angels. I mean, you just lost Andrew from Simmons, um, and you're replacing him with another really good contact bat with some pretty great defense. Like, yeah, I mean, Iglesias. I think the last couple of years his like defense has been a little iffy, but it's not bad by any means. I think his offense more than makes up for it, especially when you're going to consider the fact that he's going to be batting around Shohei, Pujols. Um, Eric Fletcher. Eric, yeah, Fletcher. I think David Fletcher. That was, that was David. Fuck. Uh, David Fletcher, not Derek, not Derek Fletcher. Who was part of my fantasy team. Uh, <laughs> oh, God, dude. I'm... Like I said, I just I just woke up by the time we started recording this podcast. All right, that's. Oh, by the way, the draft tonight. I hope you stay sober. Anyway, <laughs> did you say the drafts tonight? Just kidding. It, I was gonna say it better not. This is way too early, and I'm definitely not gonna be sober tonight. <laughs> Other moves the Angels have made: uh, right-handed pitcher Rocio Iglesias. Uh, they acquired from the Reds for No Ramirez. We talked a little about this one. Uh, this is a great move for the Angels because not only do they have both Iglesias as an L, so it's fun, uh, <laughs> but like they needed bullpen help, and that mm-hmm. is a great bullpen piece to grab. And then you bring in the fact that they also signed Alex Claudio. Yeah, I don't, so, really, have, I don't really have much more to say that other than, yeah, Alex. It's great. <laughs> it's a good move. Yeah, no, it's really good. Um, I mean, is it, Claudio's a lefty too, right? So like you got, mm-hmm. or no. Razael Iglesias is not a lefty. I don't know why I thought he was a lefty. Probably because he and Amir Garrett have, like, the exact same body type. See, that's what that's the earlier when I was like, oh, two lefties. And I was like, no. Because like, I thought they, I thought Iglesias was a lefty earlier. But no, he's a right-hander. I always do that <laughs> No, Iglesias, Iglesias and Garrett have, like, the exact same body type. They're both really huge, linky flamethrowers. <laughs> like, it's crazy. Yeah. Um, but, no, nah, that's a good one-two punch coming out of the bullpen. Uh, Claudio, he's kind of got, like... He kind of, he's not fully submarine, but he's, like, really sidearm, so he's got, like, that funky delivery that, you know, throws a lot of people off, and uh, Iglesias, you know, just come at you, that disgusting slider with some high heat, like, great closer. I mean, it's great It's great for them, because I don't think I could have named a single person in their bullpen other than Felix Pena and No Ramirez, and the only reason I know Pena is because he was instrumental in that um, Tyler Skaggs night no-hitter, like, that's oh, yeah. like one of the only things that I remember. One of the greatest baseball moments ever. Ty Buttree, because I knew he had been a, I knew he was a rookie last year. Oh yeah, but um, yeah, but um, you're adding moves. a bullpen that needed help. Yeah, and I think another move that helps that it's going to help them with the starting pitching, which is weird, is uh, Kurt Suzuki because he is a great. I mean, we saw this with the Nationals; that bullpen was terrible, but when they pitched to Kurt Suzuki, it was better. So mm-hmm. Kurt Suzuki, I think, is going to go a long way to helping like. They're young guys like Griff, Griffin Canning. Like Griffin Canning is of ace in the making, and I will f- f- die on my. I will die on this sword if it never happens. Uh, <laughs> All right, uh, just be noted. Sad. Noted. I gotta just be get sad. He's a sword now. So great, so good. Yeah. Didn't he win? Um, 
Didn't he win a gold glove this last year too? Yeah, I don't think he won a gold glove, but he might. He was up. I, didn't... I think he did. Yeah, he was up for. I think he was up for a gold glove because he made like no errors on the mound. He's actually a really good pitcher. Like I don't. He... Nope, he's only good for his glove. <laughs> um, hey, so was Maddox? I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um. Anyway, aside from that blasphemy, let's keep talking about pitching, where they went out and signed Jose Quintana and Junior Guerra. Um, Quintana, I think the headliner of those two signings. Um, veteran lefty show some really good years with the Cubs and the White Sox. Uh, had some injury problems, but so he never really got never really got to see too much time last year. Uh, they didn't. I don't think the Cubs ever used him as like a solid starter. They pulled him after like three innings every time. So the only thing around Quintana is will he get back to the same consistency and filth that he had that the Cubs signed him for, and the reason why he was such a hot commodity when the Cubs signed him? Like my answer is no, and here's why: because he's going to the same manager. The Cubs uh, basically didn't use him properly because Joe Madden never used him properly. Oh, surprise, surprise. Joe Madden is the new manager for the Angels. What do you mean they never used him properly? He's a, he's a starting – how do you misuse a starting pitcher? Other you, they than pulled him out. They always pulled him too soon. Okay, so fix that. Just stop – I mean, with a, with a I, shaky bullpen like the Angels, the, I mean, are you really going to pull him? Really? Madden's all of a sudden going to decide to put faith in, in Quintana when he never did in Chicago? Like, no. I mean – no, why Why not, though, when you only have Claudio and Iglesias in your bullpen who has, like, decent relievers? I mean, I get it. I mean, like, Dude, I don't it's... know. I just don't, I just don't see Quintana getting a fair shake. And I feel like he went to the Angels because he was following Madden. And I think Madden wanted Quintana because he's trying to, like, build up that team again or, like, a version of that team. But I don't know. I just don't think it's going to work out for him, I, which sucks because I would like to see him do well outside of Chicago. I think he'll be fine. I think you're shitting on him too much. I think I think I'm I shitting think on Madden tunnel. not enough. I don't like Madden. <laughs> I don't think he's a good manager. Well, he won a World Series, and the Pirates haven't won one in years. So he, ba- he almost he almost blew that World Series. Hey, he Why still won it though. Chapman in Game Six. Why are you bringing Chapman in in Game Six? He still won he it been though. Ran out of Chicago. He should he's... have been ran out of Chicago. I mean, he was. And Madden didn't <laughs> win that World Series. He relied on the he relied on talent like he did with Tampa Bay. So why he made the World Series with Tampa Bay? He relied on the talent. Longo got him to the World Series. But he's got a ring. Doesn't deserve it. All right, I fucked up my mic doing that. <laughs> Good. Uh, I, was, I was hoping taking the pop filter off would make that a lot more intense. <laughs> more pitchers that the uh, Angels got. They pretty much been overhauling their pitching staff. Because like we said, you don't have pitching. It doesn't matter how good your offense is. And the Angels yep. are one of those. Can't score many- 12 runs a game. One of those many teams that went spent so much money on their offense, they never bothered to fix their pitching. So they went out and got right-handed pitcher Alex Cobb from the Orioles, and they got Aaron Sledgers from the Rays for cash. I don't, I don't hate those two deals. Alex Cobb showed some glimpses of being a really good pitcher back when he was in Tampa, and then he went to Baltimore where they ruined him. Uh, <laughs> I know. I don't, I don't... Oh, go ahead. What was it? No, no, I wanna I wanna hear you talk. What were you saying? I said I feel like this team, I know I said this a lot, like all these teams should do a six-man rotation, but I feel like this team, because of what they use Otani for, a six-man rotation is gonna help them so much more than any other team because they don't play Otani for three games. The day he starts and two days before a day before and after he starts. Mm-hmm. So basically they get Otani in lineup for two games. And like, you know, the first game of the season, the second game, and then they sits the next three and then 
repeats the cycle. So they went to a six-man rotation. Well, now you're getting three games of Otani as a hitter, his rest day, his day as a starter, his rest day, and then you get him three more games. Yeah. Unless they're just going to go to being like, oh, like, you know, as long as, long as you're okay with it, like, we're not going to sit you the day before or the day after. You know what I mean? Like, they're going to only give him two days rest, and then they still get the three days of Watani. Or, you know. But I just feel like, I feel like Otani's bat makes a, so, such a big difference in that team that the multiple rest days they have to get him so he can prepare to be a starter hurts them. Yeah, it's true. Uh, it's it's really – the thing, too, is, like, we have not seen two-way players in baseball in forever, and we just really don't know we, – we haven't really figured out how to manage them properly yet, and that's one thing that I think Joe Madden is probably kind of excited for. I was trying to figure out how to manage a two-way guy because he hasn't done that yet because Otani didn't pitch at all last year. I think he, I think he pitched like one game maybe, at, if even, and then he got hurt. Yeah, because they've been really, they're really. That's the only thing about Otani. It's like he has problems staying healthy as a pitcher, but it's off. He's still there as a hitter. So even like even if Otani can't pitch again, he'll spend the rest of his career as a great DH. Yeah, yeah, and hell, maybe he'll even go out in the outfield where he played for a little bit when he got injured that first time. But, That's true. but do they even need him in the outfield? Because they went out and got Dexter Fowler from the Cardinals. Man, these segues are fantastic this episode. No, we're on it. We're on point today. This is what happens when you don't record after like midnight. <laughs> um, but yeah, Dexter Fowler from the Cardinals for a player to be named later. Fowler, another one of those guys going back to be with his old buddy Joe Madden, where he played some of the best baseball of his career. Not going to, like, you can't really argue with me on that. He did. Whether it had anything to do with Madden is, is a question mark. You're Absolutely your head, nothing. So. He's just good. <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, he had he had some problems uh, in St. Louis. Uh, as a Cardinal fan and as somebody who actually enjoyed him when he was on the Cubs, just watching him, like, the leadership that he brought and just – overall sense of joy and love for the game like it's so rare to see that i just i always enjoyed watching him i'm sad to see him leave st louis but i'm happy for him because hopefully he'll get met with less racism in la because i remember that was one of the biggest problems when he first came to st louis is i don't know if any of you guys have ever seen or been to st louis but the people down there are not the greatest yeah i know that yeah they're not they're not that mm -hmm. because i mean like you have St. Louis and you have East St. Louis, which is basically Chicago and the South Side of Chicago, where you know gentrification and epic racism. Love it. So yeah, when Dexter Fowler came over, especially because he's coming from a division rival who had just won the World Series, he was met with some very impolite, naughty words and uh, threats. So I'm sure that had a lot to do with why he wasn't the same caliber player that he was when he was in Chicago. Uh, we saw glimpses of it in, in St. Louis the last two years, especially he started getting a little bit better, but I mean, I, I just, think oh, go ahead. I, I was just going to say like, I hope he, I hope he flourishes and I hope he does better. And I hope that LA treats him right. I really do. So I think this is going to be great because if you look at their format outfield, it's Upton, Trout, Fowler. Oh, and then, you know, Joe Adele, who is, regarded as one of the best up-and-coming outfield prospects, you know, in a while. So I feel like I feel like you have Odell now 
who can learn from Upton. He can learn from Trout. He can learn from Fowler. Like you can learn contact from Fowler, power from Upton, and everything else from Trout. Everything. I was gonna Trout. say like I don't. I don't even think you need the other guys as long as you have Mike Trout. You're pretty much set. The other guys just to reiterate this their specialties in case he was like, well, like Mike Trout's so good at everything. Just to reaffirm <laughs> how good Mike Trout is. Plus, too, like that helps them with their whole like, you know, if you need to start like, you know, you lose Otani a couple days and you may not want to put Pujols in, you can throw Fowler into DH or Upton into DH and Fowler in left field. Yeah. To me, this is a good signing for them. Yeah, it gives them a lot more flexibility. Plus, I've always had a problem with Upton being like an actual everyday outfielder. Like, what are you going to do with Pujols if you're paying that much money for him? Like, you can't really put him at first base anymore, especially when you have Jared Walsh. But, I mean, Walsh can kind of play the outfield. I would much... if I were a manager, I'd feel more comfortable with him at first. But, like, now that you have another outfielder who can actually defend to go out there and back up Justin Upton, like, for days that, you know, you might want to put him at the DH and give Pujols a rest because he's old. <laughs> I mean, you have you actually have that option now. Um, honestly, if I were them, I might even try to shop Justin Upton if I could. Yeah, because I feel like you could try – I feel like the better option would be to try to shop Pujols, but nobody's going to take him. Yeah, no, that's the problem. Like – I would, I would 100% say shot Pujols because he's just taking up space. He's a first baseman that just really isn't producing anymore, and you don't need him at first base. He can't really play the field too well anymore. So, yeah, get rid of him. But at least just at least Upton has some sort of defensive prowess a little bit still. But the problem is he's producing more than Pujols. He's the only one who's really, like, accruing any sort of value on the trade market. So uh, get rid of him. <laughs> I say that. With all like niceties, uh, get the hell out of here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I think the biggest need the Angels need is they still need more pitching. Yeah. They acquired a lot, but they need to get Mike Trout back in the playoffs. So get more pitching. Get better yeah. pitching. The do thing too to... to get Mike Trout in the playoffs, short of cheating. <laughs> yes. Uh, yes, short of cheating, especially. Uh, the thing though is, with how many moves that they've made pitching. The question really, like the question of whether or not they need more pitching, will really just kind of be answered as the season goes on, because they have so many guys, and a lot of these guys have not really pitched in high stress situations and for high leverage teams, or if they have, they haven't done it in a while, like Quintana. But Alex Cobb has never been in that situation before. Junior Guerra, I don't think has ever been in that situation before. Like they, Aaron Sledgers is the only one, and he's just he's like not the biggest name in that list. Um, and he barely got used all that much, but it really just comes down to, can these guys get it together when it matters? And we really just won't know until the season is over or halfway through. And they're, and they all have like 6.3 ERAs and Mike Trout's kicking himself when he goes to sleep because he's batting 310, but he's losing every game. Yeah. There's only so many times you could see an MVP win. I mean, this feels like, you know, this is like what uh probably what like Walt was like to watch Walter Johnson be on the worst team in history, like back when he was on like the Washington Senators. Yeah, just sad because you're just like you are wasting the best years of your career on a team that is going nowhere. So <laughs> good yet like, so bad. Kind of like Bradley Beal, if anybody else follows basketball, he puts up like forty-five to sixty points a game, and the Washington Wizards, as he himself said, can't guard a parked car. <laughs> Anyway, uh, let's talk about the Rangers, an expansion team from the Washington Senators. Segway. 
We still <laughs> did it. That one wasn't as good, though, I will admit. Yeah, um, yeah, that wasn't as fluid, but um, we, we still, it still works. So they went out and they re-signed uh, Scott Heinemann. Um, what that gets you? I don't know. Derek, what does that get you? Well, that gets you what happens later on when they trade Scott Heinemann to the Reds for second baseman Jose Acosta. Well, that is an interesting take, and I'm not going to encourage you on this. So let's continue talking about other things, such as the big trade that they made over the offseason, which was acquiring uh, Avery Weens and big-name prospect Dane Dunning from the White Sox for big man Lance Lynn. So as a team that's rebuilding, makes just it just makes sense for the Rangers. They don't need Lancelin. He's getting to the point in his career where he's got like a couple good years left and then he's just gonna be kind of like a coasting pitcher. Um, you know, where he just kinda of like bounces around. He has like maybe a four ERA and he gets by on his name alone. But right now he is primed and ready to go. So why not trade him to a contender? Um the Rangers, like I said, got Dane Dunning, who is one of the top pitching prospects in all of baseball. And he with the White Sox showed that he's basically like Dylan Cease, where he's got a lot of talent, uh, no control. <laughs> so basically not fully MLB ready, but he'll be there in like a year and a half, like at the most. So this is really just kind of like a, one of those deals where it just kind of benefits both parties. White Sox getting a solid pitcher on a contending team and the Rangers rebuilding by getting rebuilding pieces. Yeah, I agree. I mean, like they need to rebuild I think that's the big thing, and like which sucks because they have some players that very well could uh, do well. But I mean, but like with the with them going out and getting Nate Low, maybe they feel like the rebuild isn't that far away. I mean, like they have some pretty good players in the fact that they've Nate Low, David Dahl, they signed, um, they got Chris Davis from the trade we talked about earlier. They re-signed Delano DeShields. He used to play for them before going to Cleveland, right? Yeah. And so, like, they make – they have moves. They've done moves, and they have Joey Gallo still. And, you know, I'm never going to bet against Joey Gallo because the man – Unless you're up. unless you're betting on whether or not he's going to get a, just a single. Then I might yeah, if, 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 the, if the thing is, <laughs> will Joey Gallo get a single? I'm going to be like, no. <laughs> it's, either, it's either hitting the wall, going over the wall, or it is going into the catcher's glove because it's a strikeout. Yes, the only way Joey Gallo reaches first base is he walks – or he's passing it on a home run trot. Yeah, pretty much. He he's the re, he's the kind of person who really plays uh, true outcome ba- or three true outcome baseball. Yeah, there was a guy um, I used to love that is, on the Padres. I think it was Stumpf. Stumpf. I got to look up his name. Uh, he also used to play oh, three. Outcome. Oh, um, Ryan Shrimp or something like that. Yeah, Shrimp. It was, it was like Shimpf. S. Yeah, it was something crazy. Yeah. A lot of constants. But he was, yeah, he was a guy who used to be, like, was also the three true outcomes, strikeout walks, home runs. Yeah. Anyway, um, let's get away from the nerdy side of baseball and continue talking about acquisitions. <laughs> um, yes. One of the big ones, like we talked about earlier, signing David Dahl, which, like, signing David Dahl, I think, is just a good move for any team, except for teams that are rebuilding, because it just kind of doesn't make too much sense to me. I mean, yeah, you're going to need to field an out, like a field of full outfield. You're going to need somebody to take take a spot out there. But if you're going to get a team that wants to rebuild, why would you go out and get somebody who is basically a current contender 
like a, a guy who can really push forward a team that's contending. Like I just it doesn't make too much sense to me. So there's two reasons why. Either A, you want him on your team now for when you're good later, or B, you want him on your team now because you want him to show everyone how good he is so then you can trade him for prospects. That's I think that's where they're going with uh, with David Dahl because I don't think that he's young enough to be there for when the Rangers get good. I mean, like I'm not saying he's old. Don't get me wrong. He's not freaking old fart. Um, but I don't think that the Rangers are going to be good fast enough to necessitate keeping David Dahl for when they are good. I, th- I honestly think that he's just going to be the kind of guy where you just picked him up for pretty, pretty cheap and you're going to get a high return out of him. At least that's what they're hoping. Yeah, I agree. So the biggest need for the Rangers and in, in uh, we think it's the bullpen. I mean, I know they signed Nick Vincent, which is a another one of those like I'm pretty sure it's a David Dahl level of like we're getting him because we can get more for him later. Um, but I mean, if the Rangers are genuinely thinking they have a chance to like think they can go on a run, they shouldn't think that. They, I mean, they shouldn't think that. But people do things they people think things they shouldn't all the time. Oh, uh, yeah. Don't get me started on that. So, like, if they wanted to make a run and they were like, okay, we're going to sign somebody, I think they should re-sign Keon Kella. Sorry, I yawned. Um, I, th- I realized you were throwing that to me. Uh- <laughs> I thought you were doing the, uh yawn because Derek's saying the same boring shit as always. But Keon is a great pitcher. I'm just going to reiterate, Derek, I woke up and then I recorded the podcast. So- <laughs> Keon um, Kella is a good pitcher. <laughs> I never said he wasn't. I just yawned. Because I'm physically tired. <laughs> I get that, but I'm just reiterating it because he's a good pitcher. I would love to see him stay in Pittsburgh, but I think with Pittsburgh, <laughs> ah, there's that's all right. That explains with, it. <laughs> but with Pittsburgh looking young and him having injury problems, I think he's going. I think he's walking, and I'm okay with that. Um, I would love to see him go to a team though that would appreciate him. Anyway, sure, so like a team that a team that could you acquire him or like appreciate him. I mean, another guy could go at. Brad Boxberger, I think David Phelps is still available, though I have a weird feeling he also got signed. I think he did. I think he got signed by the Blue Jays, actually. Yes, he did. They re-signed David Phelps. That's right. So David Phelps is not available. Um, Brad Brad Boxberger, which is sad because he's really good and shouldn't, like him and Keon Keller should be on teams already, and I don't get why they're not. Yeah, I don't know. Brad, Box- Brad Boxberger, I feel like, is plagued with the fact that he's played for subpar teams, and which kind of, like, doesn't help your resume. Because, yeah. I mean, you get put into bad situations, you come out, and you give up one hit while striking out three guys, but your ERA skyrockets for some stupid-ass reason. Like, Because you're the only good pitcher on – or one of the only good pitchers on the Arizona Diamondbacks. Or the Miami Marlins back when the Marlins were dog shit. But, yeah. so, like – you get overused, you get overworked, you just, like, you know, it's it's like when people just, like, overcook their engine, you know? Like, you just use them for too, you use them too much too often, it just gets, they burn out for a little bit. You gotta know when to, gotta know when to ease off the gas. All right, I need to stop trying to make this sound like, trying to relate this to cars. Um, <laughs> biggest need, what do we have? Uh, you said DH. I don't think so. You because... think Willie Calh- uh, Calhoun is their DH? I don't give a rat's ass about Willie Calhoun. <laughs> no, um, they just went out and signed Chris Davis, and he can't play outfield. He can play left field. He can't. He he has 
do you remember what happened to him a couple years ago? He got the yips, dude, and he still can't throw. He's no, he's not an outfielder anymore. His outfield days are over. He's gonna get help. I guarantee you, he starts in left field. No, because they have David Dahl. Play center field. No, because they have Danny Santana. No, they don't. He's a free agent. Is he a free agent? Oh, shit. Damn I'm it. literally been putting him on so many like, teams. Okay, then what about, okay, then what about outfielder? What about outfielder Scott Heineman? Or, um, I got traded. What? No, he did. You just said they re signed him. Yeah, and then traded him to, Ho- to the Reds for Jose Acosta. Oh, they traded it? Oh, I thought... They signed him and then traded him. Oh, dude, I thought, you were, I thought you were saying that like that was your speculation. Oh, my God. No, that's God. genuinely what happened. Oh, well, then Delano DeShields is their, is their center fielder. <laughs> I, I did Delano DeShields. But, I mean, still, like... <laughs> they should get it. I feel like they need a DH. An old it's school... Chris Davis. What? It's Chris Davis. No, it's Chris just... Davis. Can play. It's not. It's right, Chris Davis. Who, no, can't, who, who no he can't play the outfield. Who do they need, Eli? They need an entirely new team because they're rebuilding. <laughs> they need a solid first baseman, or at least they need Ronald Guzman to prove that he's a top prospect first baseman and actually freaking play like it. They need to actually figure out a place to put Isaiah Kiner falefa if it's not going to be third base because they're talking about moving him, which makes no sense after he just won a gold glove at third base. Plus, he started out as a catcher. So, like, what the hell are they doing with, with Kiner falefa I don't understand. They need to get rid of Rugnet Odor just because he's, I don't like him as a human being, and I just think that his skills at second base are declining rapidly. And they don't have a shortstop anymore. Well, so here's here's the thing. Kinda Kinder Falefa, according to the Rangers, is the shortstop. Rugnet Odor is the third baseman. Nick Solak's the second baseman, and Nate Lowe is the first baseman. So basically, they're giving up on Ronald Guzman for absolutely no reason. Uh, Nick yeah. Solak, I completely forgot about. Uh, he's kind of reminds me of Nick Senzel, not just because their names are pretty much the same, um, but they have sk- similar skill sets. Uh, Rugnet Odor, I just don't like. Uh, <laughs> uh, but Kiner Falefa, he's just weird to me because he sounds like falafel. He came out of nowhere, and then all of a sudden, he's a fantastic defensive ball player. Like, the hell yeah i just think it's really funny how they keep being like oh here's our here's a catcher and we're gonna play him in left field oh he's really great so now we're gonna play him in third oh he's really great so now we're gonna play him in short oh he's really great like he's like just, michael could he's like michael Kadire. they're just they just can't figure out where the hell to put him but he'll play anywhere like, just put him here and it will work out it's fine <laughs> pretty much it's impressive but i don't I really just look at how few games that he played in left field for the a's and like they they were really flippant about who they put out there in left field because they would put Pinder, they would put Canna, they would put Grossman, they would. But I mean, you're going to talk about like better defensively. Pinder, Canna, and Grossman were quicker and had better gloves. But I mean, and like, they could yeah. throw. <laughs> Chris Davis can still throw. Yes, but it'll go that way when it's supposed to go that way. He pointed in two different directions for people who don't know. Anyway. <laughs> I, th- I think they could have understood from context. Or if they've ever watched Chris Davis play the outfield. <laughs> I guess. I don't know. I just feel like they could use the help of a guy like Jonas Cespedes or Brad Miller in the yes, lineup. Yes, so that way they can keep uh, Davis at the DH spot and out of the field. You really think like guy like a guy like Cespedes is better in left field than Chris Davis? Yes, because he yes, he's got an arm. <laughs> he can't run anymore. It doesn't matter. He's got enough. And also, David Dahl's playing left field, so it doesn't matter because they David have Delano DeShields in center. No, if Delano anything, Delano DeShields will be in left and David Dahl will be in center. David Dahl's the Why? 
Because David Dahl's the better center fielder. Is he, though? Yes. Or Joey Gallo's going <laughs> to DH, and you're going to have Chris Davis, Delano DeShields, and David Dahl, which doesn't make I'm... sense because no. Joey Gallo has a great arm. <laughs> I was going to say, Joey Gallo's a fantastic defender. Why the hell would you take him out of the field? Look, I don't know what the Rangers are going to do. I just want them to sign somebody. What the Rangers are going to do is they're going to put Gallo back at third base, back where he originally started. <laughs> Honestly, yeah, trade trade Odor and put Gallo back in at third base. Or just exile Odor from baseball. Here's what you do. You sign Jose Bautista, have him play third base, but he hasn't <laughs> played third base since the Pirates. He hasn't even played in forever, dude. Hey, he played, he played a couple games at third for Toronto. Yeah, when he first got there after playing Pittsburgh. I mean, I guess, yeah. He's actually trying to come back as a pitcher. Did you not know that? I, I heard that, and it's not going to go well. Anthony Goose came back as a pitcher. You mean Ghosts? It's 1-0, dude. No, it's 1-0. It's Ghosts. I'm still the Goose. Goose Gossage. Anyway. <laughs> Completely unrelated. Is, is um, that all the teams? Did we talk about all the teams? Yes, we argued about all the teams. Good. This is weird because, like, I feel like this is like one of my least like entertaining divisions, and I feel like this was a decently entertaining uh, episode. Because we were just um, argued about who we think should do what, and it was fun. <laughs> yes, I love arguing. It's way more fun than agreeing on things. So hopefully, episodes from here on out are gonna be more of us just arguing and talking baseball. As we're just gonna next episode is gonna be about the Hall of Fame's decision and what we think the Hall of Fame should do about from now on. I know we're a little late on that. We personal issues. <laughs> yes, we have a lot of shit going on. Uh, Look, this... we're still in college, guys. Maybe why we sound stupid, because we're, we're still, still in... we're still in college. Um, I had COVID sweep through the house a while ago. It's my twenty-first tonight, so I'm gonna get it plastered uh... <laughs> for the first time ever. Oh yes, for the first time. Ha ha. Yes, I'm responsible. Uh... All right. So, <laughs> the end of the show, player. That I want to talk about. We're gonna do another uh, old school player. Oh, please tell me that I can take bullet point number four. Do you know the story of bullet point number four? I love the story of bullet point number four. It's my I, favorite baseball I, story. You can tell it, but if you mess up, I'm gonna correct you. So oh. we're gonna talk about Doc Ellis. He was born March 11th, 1945, in Los Angeles. He signed with he was signed by Pittsburgh as an amateur free agent in 1968. He made his major league debut on June 9th, 18th of 1968, where he pitched one inning, gave up one hit, and struck out nobody. And then, Eli, what is he most famous for? So, just I just want to preface: he's okay. Uh, he got better um, as the years like went by. This is probably one of his. Low- lowest points in terms of substance abuse he turned his life around and actually uh, after baseball was i i don't really even know how to say it, an advocate against drugs or something like it's hard yeah, to he say would, he, he would like dedicated... around the country going from like school to school being like hey guys like he would tell the story and everyone would be laughing he's like yeah but that was like the worst moment of my life like ever since then my life like declined i had like my life was struggle like he basically was just like drugs aren't good and I, this is but why. the unfortunate the unfortunate thing about drugs not being good is they also provided with one of the greatest no-hitters ever thrown in baseball history. So, Doc Ellis was set to pitch the first game of a doubleheader on a Friday. So, Wednesday night, he's like, well, I'm not doing shit tomorrow, so let's get turned. He, it was, it was some weird blend of LSD... I think it was some like hard liquor. It might have been like vodka, and I think it was weed too. Like a perfect trifecta. 
um, basically made his own personal cocktail, consumed it, went to bed. So he woke up on Wednesday, air quotes, and he was like, you know what? Friday morning's not anywhere close. Let's just, uh, or I meant Thursday, not Wednesday. Uh, he woke up, he's like, no, Friday morning's still 24 hours away. Let's just do some more. Does it again. And he's just spacing out in his hotel room and he hears pounding on his door. His teammates are like, where the hell are you? We gotta go. Because he had slept through the entirety of Thursday and it was now absolutely gone Friday morning when he's supposed to pitch. So his teammates try to pump him full of coffee, try to sober him up a little bit. Doesn't really work. So they just try to keep him away from the manager as much as possible so that they can avoid the conversation of, is he okay? It's like, oh yeah, yeah, no, he's fine, he's fine, he's fine. So he goes out there and by some miracle of drugs, pitches a no-hitter in which he is said to, he had said after uh, the events that the ball had kept changing sizes in his hands and he had to throw it down a rainbow path to the catcher in order to actually throw a strike, which who knows, maybe that was the reason he threw a no-hitter was he could actually see exactly how he, could, how he needed to pitch. And at one point, after successfully covering first base for a putout, he yelled out in front of the umpire, Ooh, I made a touchdown! <laughs> oh my god. And, um... Yeah, he, um... He's, he's, he later cleaned up his act, but, good lord, that provided us with one of the greatest baseball stories ever. <laughs> yeah, Doc Ellis was really famous for, like, being very eccentric. And, like, uh... Like, he, uh, he said later on in his career, like, he got to the point uh, when he like, couldn't pitch without being high. Like, he felt like he had to be high to pitch. And so that's one of the reasons why, like, you know, he was, like, so adamant and just, like, be careful of drug use because, like, you're going to get to the point where you can't do what you love without the help of substances. And um, so it's, like, it's just, so, so it's just an interesting thing of him just being, like, oh, yeah, like, he threw a no-hitter on LSD, and it, it is funny. But at the same time, it's, like, I don't know. There are there's one you actually look up clips of him like trying to field the ball from that day. Um, the the no hitter happened on June twelfth, nineteen seventy. So if you want to try to look up like Doc Ellis's like no hitter, like you can actually watch like him like swiping at a ball aggressively, like stumbling off the mound and trying to pick up the ball and then just like throwing it at the first baseman like really quickly. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. um, that's what he said was the hardest part of it was the fact that he had to receive the ball from the catcher. And he hit like three batters, I think. <laughs> Walked four guys. Yeah, um, but he didn't give up a single hit. <laughs> no, it was a no hitter. He pitched the whole game too. Oh, um, man, it's it's impressive. I mean, it sucks that, like, you know, substance abuse in itself is horrible, and it sucks that he had to go through any of that. I mean, we all we laugh now because, I mean, thankfully we're able to laugh because. He kicked the habit. He realized how bad of an issue it was and actually turned his life around and dedicated the second half of his life to making sure that other people didn't didn't fall into the same trap that he did. So, like, I'm, I'm glad that we're able to laugh about him doing some stupid shit like that because, you know, he turned it around. He's one of the few who did, and it's, it's nice to be able to see that because that shit's it's no joke. The no hitter is the no hitter is, but <laughs> yeah. So there is some other moments of his life. I think he's such an interesting player. Other moments of his life where he was part of history, 
and you know he threw no hitter, but he was also part of the first uh, all black lineup, all minority lineup. That was September first, nineteen seventy. Um, so after the no hitter, he was part of a lineup that included uh, Rennie Stennett, Gene Kleins, Roberto Clemente, Willie Stargell, Manny Sanguian, Dave Cash, Al Oliver. Jackie Hernandez, and he, Jock Ellis, was the pitcher. This was the first time ever in Major League Baseball history that the lineup had featured all African-American and, and Hispanic and uh, minority players. So basically, screw the whites. Yeah, I mean, like, it was the first time ever. And it's a huge, it's a big moment because it was, like, the first time ever that you had a lineup that wasn't, didn't have a single uh, white player in it. You know, so that's a big moment, especially when you're talking about, like, the game progressing ever forward. Like this was a this that was a milestone, and he was a part of it. He was also uh, the first. He was part of the first All Star game that started two black starting pitchers to actually start the game against each other. Uh, Vita Blue was I forget. Uh, let me look at the year real quick. I forgot to write down the year. All right, seventy one. It was nineteen seventy one. Uh, Doc Ellis went off against Vita Blue, and actually the reason why is because when he got announced, him and Vita Blue both got announced as part of the All Star team he said there's no way they're gonna start two brothers and like as a joke and also kind of like trying to like get like you know people talking about it and they did like they started vita blue versus doc ellis was the first time that two black pitchers had faced off against each other in an all-star game and you know then there's more like funny stories about the one time he was like got really he showed up the ballpark there pittsburgh was playing the cincinnati reds and he was like man like i hate the reds like they think they like make fun of us and like Oh, I hate them. And this was like Pete Rose's Reds. So he's like, you know what? I'm going to go hit every single one of them. So he started the game, hit the hit the first batter, hit the second batter, hit the third batter, threw three straight pitches at Pete Rose, and the manager came out. It's like, well, we're going to the bullpen. <laughs> I've never heard that story. What? I've never heard that story. I've never heard that story. And I have gained even more respect for Doc Ellis because I love that. I do that in MLB The Show all the time when I get pissed. I just start throwing it at people's heads. The manager was like, the, I was like really surprised. I was like, the, the umpire didn't even throw him out. The umpire just thought he was like lost control. I was like, it's the seventies, man. <laughs> that's true. The guys just throw each other all the time. But like, <laughs> the, the manager was like, oh, he's just gonna hit everybody. Okay, I'm gonna go get the bullpen then. He's just gonna hit everybody. There's no reason in starting. So he did have a couple like other big milestones. He was part of the 1971 World Series, the Pittsburgh one. Uh, he played for the Pits. He played with like for five for, for uh, five teams: Pittsburgh Yankees. Uh, Oakland, Texas Rangers, and the New York Mets. And like Eli said earlier, like he spent the rest of his career, like after his, after his career ended, he like cleaned up his act. He got he got sober. He went around pretty much telling everyone like, hey, like drugs are like there's a lot of downsides to drugs that people don't necessarily don't talk about. And like he was a big instrumental part of like helping kids like realize that, like yeah, like what I did was funny, but it's not good that I that happened. And then Doc Ellis passed away in December 19th of 2008. So the end of the show quote is actually kind of a quote, more of a t-shirt that Doc Ellis used to wear, uh, which I think is really funny. Um, the, it used to be a shirt that he would wear like in the beginning of the game. So it's like a famous photo of him like in front of his uniform. Uh, it's the shirt says, if you hear any noise, it's just me and the boys bopping. Dude, Doc Ellis is ahead of his time. <laughs> He was really like a character. Like he'd show up to games and like uh, curlers and like warming up before a game and like curlers. Like he would just do things to like get the media to focus on him because he was like the more eccentric I am and the more outrageous I am, the more like not necessarily attention that he gets, but also like the more things get naturalized within like 
you know, the community, like the community, like within his community. So he would just be I like, thank him for that. Yeah, I mean, so he would just show up and like show up in a game before curlers. He would just do all these crazy things. There was a great documentary about him called No No, a documentary. Expelled like doc. It was fun. I don't know if it's still on Netflix, but it was. And that was what's really interesting. And it was like really cool to like hear about a player that not a lot of people talk about. And when they do talk about it, they only focus on the one part of his his career. They don't ever talk about any of the other stuff he was part of. I gotta say though, that t-shirt would make a freaking killing if they sold it right now. You know what really annoyed like, me? I saw this the other day. It was like the the Nationals were bragging about like the fact that they have Schwarber and Bell now. And it was like a picture of Schwarber and Bell. And it was like, if you hear any noise, it's just the boys popping. And I was like, you can't, you can't steal that from the Pirates. I don't think they're necessarily stealing it from the Pirates. I think maybe they're just making a reference to somebody who they enjoy as a ball player. You know, Doc Ellis. <laughs> I don't think it's specific to just the Pirates, man. They're stealing it from the pirates because they got because they got they got Josh Bell and they're like oh no we can make pirates references no you can't oh they- breaking news as of an hour ago because I haven't looked at my phone since the Rockies have made an acquisition to fill the gaping hole that Daniel Murphy has left who'd they get they got C J Crone to fill in at first base so on a minor league deal yeah well I mean who else are they gonna put it first McMahon I he was a second baseman. Yeah, he played first. He plays really both. Good. All right, they have Brandon Rod. They have Brandon Rogers that they can put it. Yeah, Brandon Rogers is going to come up. Chrome, okay, I but, mean, but then who's we, playing? Who's playing third? Isn't it Fuent? Is Fuentes playing third? Fuentes are probably. Playing. I don't know who's going to play third yet. Who knows? The Rockies don't make any sense to me. So, <laughs> um, is it wasn't Chrome one of the guys we said should go to the Rockies because he would do really well? I know he said Thames, but then he signed with the team over in Japan. Uh, did he? Yeah, he signed with the Japanese team. Huh. Almost immediately after that podcast came out, we were like, Eric Thames to the Rockies. And he was like, nope, going well, to Japan. He would have he would have liked it there, but yeah, no, Crone will benefit. You know, he'll be he's one of those big right-handed power bats. He can pull it down the line. Thin air in Colorado will help it carry. I don't know. Not much to say about that. A lefty. Who am I thinking of? No, he's a righty. I don't know who you're thinking of. Moreland? Who's the other guy. Who is the other left, big lieutenant angel that used to play alongside Crone and played in right field? Justin Bohr? No. He's a first baseman, though. Paul Calhoun. I was Calhoun. Calhoun. Yeah, no, he's still in He's still in Arizona. Yeah, sadly. <laughs> Wasting his career. <laughs> Until Arizona gets good, I don't want them to have good players. So, seems counterintuitive. But <laughs> <laughs> just think, how are they going to be good if they don't have good players? What the hell does they that mean? All of the, either get all of the good players at once or all a bunch of unproven guys, and then they get good at the same time. <laughs> and then and then out of nowhere, they beat the Yankees in the World Series again. <laughs> That'd be crazy. Just, yeah, just get oh Luis Gonzalez and Craig Council to play in the game, and you're fine. Oh, my God. <laughs> Somehow torch Mariano Rivera again. Anyway, <laughs> um... We have reached the end of our sixth episode, and this is wrapping up now our rundown of the entire Major League Baseball lineup roster thingy. I did yes. not prepare before I started speaking. But we've given a rundown on every team, what we think that every team needs. Um, uh, yell at us, toot at us, tell us that we're wrong, tell us we're stupid, tell us you love us, tell us you'll be there for, for us. You know, that same rundown that I gave earlier in the show. 
I don't know. Do whatever you want. And if we don't like you, then we'll just yell at you. But, you know, it's fun. Uh, we love this kind of banter or just straight up insulting people. It's so great. Um, but yeah, from here on out, this is going to be some fun, uh, some fun back and forth. Apparently Derek has ideas for uh, a, a Hall of Fame episode next time, which I uh, it's news to me, but hell, I'll, I'll be here. I'll talk. <laughs> Derek does way more of the planning after this show than I do. Yeah, I'll just tell you when to show up and you're just like, okay, here we go. Yeah, I'm just like I have. I'm just like sitting there, like, oh, actually, can we do it this day? I have COVID, or, <laughs> uh, but yeah, we'll uh, we'll have a new episode coming out after this one. It'll be all about Hall of Fame stuff, and then after that, we're just gonna have some straight vibes, you know. <laughs> yes, we're gonna be talking about maybe do some like spring training updates. Major things happen. We'll throw them in the up in the episode, but yeah. most part, I think it's just gonna be us telling baseball stories or just talking about whatever the hell we want to talk about in terms of baseball yeah who knows maybe i'll uh maybe i'll just insult the pirates a bunch and then like one of the episodes will just be derek and i just screaming at each other for an hour and a half and if there's any things you want to ask us in terms of like our opinions of certain players certain teams or reevaluations, since you know we talked some teams we haven't talked about in like months uh tweeted us let us know at bl bullpen like say you want to know what we thought of Randy stennett we'll tell you who played second baseman for the Pirates like back in the seventies? Oh, dude, come on, man! He was on you the... and your freaking Pirates. I, I was trying to think of a player. He's in front of this. He's on the screen. Okay. Okay. Well, I would have at least gone with Al Oliver because at least I know who the hell he is. I could have gone with a, at least a couple of these players. You should know who they are. Who's Robert U. Clementine? I will slap you the next time I see you. Don't even friggin' try that. Dude, come on! You know, you know, Oliver Bruno. His, I think his number should be retired throughout the whole freaking league. Like he's so do I. Retired twenty one. Like, dude, he's the MLB's Walter Payton, and like he's honestly <clears throat> better than Walter Payton. He was. Uh, yeah. Um. <laughs> uh, NFL Walter Payton is NFL's Roberto Clemente. Yes, that's 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 more realistic. Yeah. Oh, uh, actually, I don't. I mean, never tell you if people are still listening. Good on you. Uh, Manny Sanguian <laughs> still sits at. Pirates games. He has like a little barbecue stand in, in center field and he just sits and talks to fans while they get barbecue. That is beautiful. I, I love that. <laughs> it's really, it just seems really funny. He just sits there. He'll say, you can go up, he'll sign anything. He'll, you can hand him something, he'll sign it. And he's a really nice guy. And he's just like, loves Pittsburgh. So he just like hangs out at PNC Park and next to his barbecue station. <laughs> People make barbecue called Manny's like barbecue stop or something like that. Love that. Anyway, I feel like we should uh, not keep rambling for everybody, but yeah, uh, tweet at us if you want us to discuss anything, ask us questions, maybe we missed something, a uh, big acquisition, doubt it, or maybe you want us to reevaluate one of your teams that I shit on, or that Derek uh, more politely shit on, uh, who knows. Uh, but yeah, let us know if you guys want us to discuss anything else, because we are open for content ideas, because yes. we don't have a plan after next time. <laughs> We're just going to wing it. Anyway, thanks, yeah. guys. <laughs> yeah, thanks for listening. As always, um, follow us on Twitter. Tell your friends about us. Tell your parents. Tell your grandparents. Tell your BFF. Tell your ex-girlfriend. Tell your ex-boyfriend. Tell people you don't talk to anymore. Tell your dog. Play us while you're in the shower. Play us while you're going to sleep. Get us some views. Um, Love us. Cradle us. Hold us. Um. <laughs> Derek is getting confused as to what I'm saying now so you know what I think this is a good place to end it we will see you guys next time <laughs>